In a world where combat sports changes on a dime, two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW was going to, and they were trying to sign it. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. I'm choosing Sandhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh god, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Amanda Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's gonna win this fight. He's gonna throw combinations of Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake, because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Left by a lot so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. I have them this weekend. I'm just going to let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Viking jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. They didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just, like, the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful. 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 Steven Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RVD Tito for Loyal. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The Marksmen have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. What's up, everybody? 
Welcome to Live Rounds, episode 41. Um, it's going to be a fun one tonight. We've got True Slayer as our guest tonight, and uh, we're really going to be deep diving into AEW Revolution, ROH, um, ROH being sold, the future of ROH, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely uh, it's going to be a good show tonight. What's going on, Steven? Not much. Uh, you know, weather's been pretty bad. That's why I'm doing this for my living room today. But I actually have a leak in my ceiling, so that kind of sucks. Um, yeah, I had to like, I had to like patch that up earlier, and this guy coming in the morning to uh, to fix it. But outside of that, yeah, yeah, can't really complain. Uh, how's it going, Josh? Well, good to have you back, man. Thanks. Um, it's going. We're actually getting ready for a, I guess, a pretty bad snowstorm on Thursday. So that will be loads of fun. Right. Yes. Everybody's got good weather going on. It's cold <laughs> back in Texas again. Like it was warm and nice, and now it's cold again. I feel like it's the last part of that. And now, after this, we'll be into the spring summer weather. I don't miss that wet cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And well, it, well, the weirdest thing is when it can just be like you know seventy degrees and then thirty degrees, and then like within eight hours you're just like okay it's cold in the morning it's hot in the afternoon i don't know so it's a definitely a weird adjustment and people get sick from it a lot so but uh yeah it's okay down here i guess um before we get started real quick shout out to unkind esports as always for being a part (laughs) of the show gotta make sure to make sure everyone goes over to twitter instagram all social media at unkind esports websites unkindesports.com and uh you know, they got a lot of MMA fans, a lot of wrestling fans over there. So go check it out. They're gaming a lot. They've been doing a lot more on Twitch lately. So uh, thank you to Unkind for being a part of the show. And as people kind of trickle in here, Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. I can't believe it. Like, this is not cool. <laughs> I hate this as a Vikings fan. Um, and it was cool to see the the trade happening with, uh, with Russell Wilson because Kirk Cousins is now the most valuable, like, potential yeah, QB kind of on the market right now. So I'm kind of interested to see what the Vikings wind up doing. So I think he's staying. I think they're going to keep him. But the, really, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson now is the domino that, that is going to change things if uh, <sighs> they do anything of that. And then also maybe Derek Carr. I think that could be a possibility. Um, that division is going to just be prime time, though, now. Like Mahomes, Herbert. Russell Wilson, those games are going to be big deal. So, uh, yeah, the, the NFL got flipped upside down today. Yeah, McAfee dropping the news about about Aaron Rodgers because he's always on the show. It's very we're going to talk about McAfee to today. See, obviously, so. it's very weird to see how big McAfee has become, and also yeah. WWE getting McAfee, which to me, I mean, it's such WWE. Like that's what they do now. That is more their focus is not about quality of the ring or what kind of storylines we can give or the product. It's about how are we going to get attention? How are we going to get eyeballs? How do we connect to the mainstream audience? And uh, Pat McAfee, is uh, he's a big one right now. Yeah. So, Josh, I know you have thoughts on this whole McAfee and McMahon interview. We might as well like just start with that since we're already kind of yeah, talking sure. about McAfee. Um, I'll say this real quick. I enjoyed the interview, but I was watching it kind of through like the lens of like, it's just kind of bizarre to see McMahon kind of in that setting, just having kind of almost like a normal conversation. But 
I was one of the few people that was talking, like we did a thing on Fightful, like right after on YouTube. And there were people that were trying to roast me because I was like, I brought up the idea of like, well, it's kind of lame that he didn't ask about like Cody or like Shane or like some of the things that like, I mean, McMahon's right there and he never does interviews. And it's like, you're a big wrestling fan. There were things that he definitely didn't bring up, but I understand why he didn't. So overall, I under, like I enjoyed the interview, but I understand like, I understand why people wouldn't. And I was uh, interested to get your opinion on it. This is okay. So I think if you watch the interview, the interview is what the interview was going to be. If you mm-hmm. thought he was going to ask like, hard questions and then follow up anything that Vince McMahon either didn't tell the truth about, um, had a crappy question or an answer like the, you know, the, the dead weight quote, the, the Saudi quote, anything like that, then you're watching the wrong thing. Go back 20 years and watch the Bob Costas interview. That's what you want to watch. You don't want to watch this. (laughs) Um, that said, I think for what it was, it was exactly what it was going to be. And yeah. my biggest issue with it wasn't so much the, the the fact that it was like what the interview was. It was more of the fact of people overly praising it and pretending like that none of the bad stuff happened at all. Which, sure. I mean, if you follow the right people on Twitter, um, you know, they were pointing out, hey, this isn't right. Hey, this is he's not telling the truth here. Hey, he's not, you know, and McAfee was never going to do that. I mean, it would be like. I don't know. Has Joe Rogan ever done like a real interview of of Dana White ever? No it way. No, it's like just been a, them just no like hanging, just been no. like shooting the that, shit. That's a yeah. that's a bromance. No. That's a bromance well, right there. And there there's been some bad stuff that have come out of those those interviews too. Like that was like when like the cyborg stuff like during yeah, them. I mean, just like, so so I yeah, mean, it's, it, yeah. it's very similar to that. Right. But yeah. I, like my issue would be more of I think people needed to be a little bit more like. McAfee did what he was supposed to do, but let's talk about like very few people. Like it was like, oh, the 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 dead weight thing not talked about. The the stuff that he said about Saudi Arabia. I mean, that was insane of what he said about you know. Basically saying oh, like culture's culture. Their, just yeah, is. Like, yeah. What are you talking yeah. like? Well, and then the not only that, the- that, I think always gets like people don't get. It's not necessarily the fact that they're doing business with saudi arabia because lots of places do business as well saudi arabia but they're like one of like one or two companies in the world that do business with saudi arabia that then do pr for saudi arabia that's the difference that people just completely zone out on if they didn't do that like half of the saudi arabia stuff it would just be like eh, it's kind of sleazy but it's wrestling so you know kind of what do you expect well, and then I thought it was funny that they were like wanting their credit for taking away the network from Russia, but it's like yes. they're all about Saudi Arabia. It's like, well, it's and it's not, doing? it's the fact that the whole reason why they took it away was because they knew they weren't going to get their payment from <laughs> Russia because right. there's no money. So, right. I mean, that's, and again, people completely miss that. Um, but I think it has, you know, that has a lot to do with just you have a lot of people that I don't mean this in a bad way, but you have a lot of people like, that cover pro wrestling that are covering it more for fans and they're not covering it as journalists. And that's yeah. the problem. And it's really frustrating for someone like me. And there's a lot of other people because we can kind of see the writing of the wall because there's maybe three or four like real journalists in pro wrestling. Three of those guys are over the age of 50. And that's, pro- yeah. and that's, that's, that's a huge problem with it. 
and everybody else like and there's there's reasons why you don't want to go hard on the like hard hard on the wwe and i completely understand that but you do have to balance it you do have to be like okay yeah we're gonna do you know if you're on our show we're not gonna ask you the hard questions however we're not we can't just ignore what's going on in the company we can't just ignore the stuff that you do and the stuff that you've done in your past you just can't ignore that. And I think a lot of people do. And that's probably my biggest, like the thing where I, my timeline is like, so streamlined. It's not even funny. And I joke with people all the time because when I'm at work, um, when I get on Twitter, it automatically takes me to the recommended timeline. So that's the only time I see a lot of this stuff. And I just shake my head. And I know that like, once I get far enough down and I start seeing like really weird stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm done. It's time to go back to, to, to my little corner and, and yeah. be happy. So, yeah, that would be my – it's not so much of, like, that part of it. I mean, it was kind of what he said. Like I said, if you want to go and see a real interview and someone really kind of push him, um, go back 20 years. And I know that's kind of out of time and watch the Bob Costas interview. Um, and I will even say with that because, uh, you know, people are always like, well, he, you know, he doesn't do media interviews because he doesn't feel they're, they're fair – Yes, but at this point, I don't think he's going to get any of the unfair stuff. Back 20 years ago, I mean, the unfair stuff was that people were banging him over the head with you're not drug testing. And it was a lot of, you know, at the time, it was a lot of the people who happened to work or had shows on HBO or through Time Warner. And it's like, yeah, I'm not doing drug testing anymore because the company that you owned stopped doing drug testing and to get talent i had to stop doing drug testing that's not right it sucks but that's the reality of the situation and you had a lot of people on the outside of pro wrestling that were just like that don't like vince mcmahon for for absolutely good reasons who just were not fair on that part now there's a thousand other things you can like just roast vince mcmahon on and it's not a problem but like i would have no problem with someone saying hey i thought the interview was good for what it was but you had a lot of people out there saying, oh, this is like an amazing interview and, you know, that humanized Vince McMahon and stuff like that. Yeah. It was so yeah. over the top. But it was the usual suspects that said stuff like that, that you would expect to say stuff like that. So that's my one issue. It's not so much what Pat McAfee did because I didn't expect him. It was just more the reaction of like wrestling world in general that I just kind of shook my head and was like, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I get that you have a lot of WWE fans, people who were brought up WWE fans. I have watched WWE since basic. I think eight, he was 85 or 87. I can't remember when. The current stretch where I have not watched WWE is the longest stretch ever. If you combine everything before the, when I stopped watching WWE combined, it's ridiculous. And so when I see people who are just like blindly, you know, defending it and saying, well, this is all I've ever known. Well, for a long time, that's all I ever knew, too. But I, you know, was like, hey, there's other wrestling. I can watch other wrestling or learn about other wrestling. And I'm sure we'll get into that later, too. But definitely, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's more <laughs> yeah. of my what I would say about the interview. Not not so much of like the interview itself, because it was what it was. If you went in expecting more than that, then I don't know what planet you're living on because i was thinking we were going to get like a worked interview that was going to get him upset like the costas one and then set up yeah. a match 
between him and Austin Theory, but like Vince is like upset, so now you got to pay for it. Now you got to wrestle Austin Theory. Like that's what I was expecting. So I think just the fact that we got like more of a candid Vince, and you know he's dropping f bombs, he's in sneakers, he's so gracious with his time that he flew to Indianapolis on his own dime to be there with Pat and Studio. Like that's the type of stuff that they were really trying to put over. The one thing that I picked up on it though is like he really seems like he's on his last leg. Like he was talking about if I got hit by a bus, like I wish I have one second just to say thank you to everyone, just everyone that's worked for me, everyone that's the fans, everything. And then he also was like talking about stories about how like promoters wanted to kill him. And he found out through Jim Ross, but it was like a lot of it wasn't about current stuff. It's like, he's living in the past. And I just feel like that is, is more Vince just kind of signaling that like, Hey, I don't have much longer in this whole thing. And another thing that I picked up on, too, was Pat definitely floated AEW. He tried to just kind of float it there and hope Vince would bite, and Vince really didn't. But Vince didn't say competition. He likes confrontation. He's like, I want confrontation. And I feel like he just wants to get Tony Khan in a room for five minutes and just be like, what the hell do you (laughs) think you're doing around here, huh? Like, he just wants to intimidate the piss out of him. Um, because he's that, you know, macho alpha male. I don't go to bed till three o'clock. I don't finish my workout till three o'clock in the morning. Vince McMahon, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I feel like that they tried to humanize him some and Pat really tried to put him over as this great boss and all this stuff. But I mean, you can only fool so many people and, and the people that have been fans for such a long time, even the Costas interview, like I was a WWE Mark back then. I'm like, yeah, tell Costas, like screw Costas. You know what I mean? But when you look back on it now, it's like, that's a really inappropriate way to act as a chairman. You know what I mean? So it's just a, it's just an interesting deal. I I, I thought I, I was honestly like, I was just fascinated with just him being like, when you see him on, not that I watch it that often anymore either, but like when you see him on WWE TV, he seems like a robot, like of Vince McMahon. Like it's like this, it's like this sad, like, but when he was on the McAfee show, I was like, no, he's, he has his wits about him more than like, it seems he, like he does on TV. Like he, you know, it was just kind of fascinating to see him in that light. But my, the biggest takeaway I had from it was, at one point he like, he doesn't name triple H, but like he's clearly talking about him about how like, well, I mean, if, if they're family and they're not getting the job done, I don't care if my family's the one running this company or not. Like it's, you know, it's going to be whatever's best for the fans. And I'm like, wow, he really kind of just put it out there that like, you know, I, I honestly think that Vince is going to sell the company, but he's going to stay on similar how Dana White did. Like he'll stay on and run the, the day to day, but he's, but it seems like he's okay with the rest of his family not being there. Even if he does that, like he, he just wants it for himself or whoever he thinks is the best to, to control it, which is, you know, I, I was expecting him to say, well, no, my family's always going to be involved, but he pretty much said like, that's not really, you can kind of take or leave that, which I thought was really interesting. Well, I thought like I was shocked that they didn't say anything about Triple H. Like, even right. just, like, how is he mm-hmm. doing? You know, people have been asking, you know, there's not a lot, you know, can, can you give us any insight? And if he was like, yeah, you know, it's not my place to say or something like that, that would be fine. Um, that, that that was probably the biggest thing that he didn't ask that I thought. 
but as far as like the selling part, this is what I think. I think he will sell it. Like you said, I think he'll stay on only because every time that has ever been hinted that Vince McMahon is not going to be part of the WWE, the stock has plummeted and everything seems to have gone wrong. And I think even if they were to sell it like to NBC, um, you know, I, I think that the that, that people have this, especially I think people really outside of pro wrestling have this idea that you can't have pro wrestling without Vince McMahon. Because he is, without question, the most successful promoter ever. But I think that a lot of those people just don't understand the business as it is today. And that it is very much more of a, I think they see it as, hey, it's a pseudo sport. And they don't really see it as, hey, it's really, and it really kind of is. And I've, I've, I've noticed this probably over the last probably 10 years. It's really has evolved into a form of geekdom that that a lot of people just don't get. And if you don't recognize that, then I think that's the one thing about AEW is that AEW kind of recognizes that and kind of embraces that a little bit more. And WWE's like, eh, we don't even really understand that, which really does show how behind the times they are, because that means they're not even up to the point where like Big Bang Theory started. And right. that's that's a that. And I always say that about WWE is that, you know, TV wise, they are so far behind. It is not even funny, um, you know, and it's sad because you can tell like some, like to them, like Sopranos never existed. Uh, Mad Men never existed. Any of the stuff that really changed TV in the last probably 20, 25 years hasn't happened in their eyes. And you can tell through their storytelling. You can tell like the people they push. You can tell like even the fact that like, you know, even though we're going back to like the divas, you know, it's very evident we're doing that. You yep. look at the people, it's like what you would expect like sexy women to be 20 years ago, not today. And it's really, it's real. That, that's one of the things that I like completely notice. And I'm like, this is crazy. And it just shows how like out of touch they are. But um, I did think that, you know, I think that was one of the things that like people liked about it was that he was very like, he was comfortable. And because of that, it came off really, and it was one of those type of things. And I think if, if in that part, I think the interview was good, but I think if you, if you're in the pro wrestling world, you look at the, you look at it and you're like, yeah, the interview itself was what it was, what it was, but there was all of this stuff that, that is like, you know, how many people have talked about the fact, even if it was a flub that he said his former wife. Right. You know, yeah, that was, yeah. that was kind of, you know, funny. like it was like, yeah. wait, wait, what, what? <laughs> like, you know, and even if it's like, hey, you know, it was a flub, almost nobody's talking about it. And that's, that's, that's a major flub, if, you know. Right. We well, said um, my wife at the time, right? So yeah, or like, his wife at the time. Or yeah. Something like that. Which yeah. usually implies that you were divorced from that person. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, and then maybe that's not what you meant, but it was still like, wait, right. what? Time out. <laughs> um, and people are like, eh, it's okay. It's Vince McMahon. And we actually got to see Vince McMahon do a, but it's, you know, it's no different than the Stone Cold interview. <clears throat> I would say the Stone Cold interview, Stone Cold asked him probably a couple more tougher questions than, than McAfee did. But, you know, I think what I, what I like that about, leverage where McAfee doesn't. So, 
Yeah. You know, what I liked yeah. about the Stone Cold interview is when Austin turned the heat up, Vince got mad, and then they tried to uh, call the show, and Vince is like, "I own the network; we can keep it going." Like, what did you say? You know, like, <laughs> like it, there's a there's a part where Vince's ego has to come out. It's just right. it's just part of who he is, and um, he doesn't like to be challenged. And one thing he made clear was the little vocal group of, of on the internet. Um, they're really negative. They're overly harsh and we don't listen to them at all, but yet you have focus groups. So who are these focus group people? You know what I mean? Like, and they do focus groups on these shows every single day. So like what kind of WWE shields are like part of this focus group where they're actually putting this stuff over, you know what have I mean? Have you ever gotten the surveys before? I have, I've seen them, yeah. and, I've, and I, I think I've had them a couple of times, but I'm not like a, a I've always noticed member that or anything. Even the, and if you, being that I study journalism, I know this. The questions okay. that they ask, you're only going to answer certain ways. Like even yeah. like somebody like me is only going to like because they don't give you like a lot of options. Very seldom do they ever. The only time they really ever gave a lot of like options as far as like okay. We're really going to let you tell us who you want us to see and who, you know, you're really into and all of this stuff was around the time was like probably because I still get their little survey things and I always look at them um, probably <laughs> four years ago or so. And it was a lot of like, hey, who should we be pushing? And it was like then they would list everybody on the roster so that you were like, hey, and then uh, and and stuff like that. And you don't see that. And every once in a while, but you would still get the, hey, you know, who's your favorite superstar? And then they would list, like, the top four superstars. Well, for probably the last 10 years, those two diehards, it's none of those people for the most part. So it's like, well, I have nobody that I really want to choose. So what do I do? And there's not a, like, somebody else or other or anything like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of that in in their stuff where it's like you're just kind of you're stuck picking not the way they want to but you're definitely not going to give them answers that are way off from what they want to hear so that's that's something i've noticed so basically cyber sunday over and over and over again yes like not the original cyber sunday the new cyber sunday right 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 not not the one where shelton benjamin like actually got voted in for the intercontinental title but like when they were rigging it yeah yeah, for sure. <laughs> or like they build up a complete storyline of a steel cage match, and then they're like, "Which match do you want?" Yeah, yeah, you know, like, yeah. It's pretty yeah. obvious where we're going here. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I whatever. I'm gonna. I'm so pissed. I'm going to Mania at this point. Like, I hate myself. <laughs> I really do. Like, it's just, dude. You, it, you, there's I, time to get out, man. Like, you could sell your tickets. I'm sure of it. Like, you at least maybe face value. Face value. Maybe you could sell those tickets, and you could probably go to easily six indie shows that'll be better than Mania. Yeah, it's just about it's just about the time. Like I'm going to I'm going to spring break part one for Joey Janela, yeah. and then I'm going to ROH, so Supercard of Honor. So other than that, I'm 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 available, I guess. But I just man, I don't know. I don't Dude, know. What trade I'm in your WrestleMania tickets for the clusterfuck uh, night yeah. two. No, like that's 100. No. I mean the thing. But the, the night I, if it was at nine o'clock, okay. But midnight, <laughs> man, I'm going to be dead. I'm almost, I'm you know, I'm getting getting up there in age. I'm not trying to 
be there till three o'clock. Apparently that's land, a party. The midnight ones yeah. are a party. From everyone yeah. that I know that have gone, they're like, they're, like I knew people that went to the first one, that was it. So the very first one. So that was a midnight, and they were like, we were the only ones who were not completely drunk or completely <laughs> high. So they were like, so this is you know. There you yeah, go. Josh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not much of a partier, so it's not really <laughs> my thing. So well, yeah, I would say, I would say maybe go the Josh Barnett route. Yeah, yeah that would probably be once for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's we're, definitely we're, like the WrestleCon shows, the Gringo Loco show. Yeah, like there's some, there's some really good stuff. That it's Gringo just, Loco show could be something. really good. Yeah, I, there's, I, another, there's another. There's another. That uh, like a local promoter is putting on that's a lucha show that looks just as good. So it's taking yeah. place at the same time as the the uh, Ringo Loco show. So yeah, and then yeah. there's shows like After Mania. Like New Texas has a show After Mania. GCWA has a show After Mania. Like there's there's some good stuff there, but I don't know. I feel like by the time that I put myself through that show, I'm just gonna want to go home or my hotel. Yeah, that's whatever. why like, you I, just don't go and you just like sleep yeah. to WrestleMania. That, that, would, that would have to be what it would be. Yeah. I, I'd have to skip Mania. I couldn't do Mania. Go through all that parking madness, ATT, AT&T Stadium, all that craziness, and then go to like some indie show with 120 people and just be like pissed, just yeah. pissed. <laughs> and and night one is garbage oh my god i am just floored come on dog you get to see steve austin confront kevin owens and and not a match well and not only that not a match but they keep bringing up it's been 19 years yes and it hasn't because we've seen plenty of him doing stunners for the last 19 years right so like what makes this different like this apparently they're they're saying that corbin is has an undefeated streak right oh does he apparently that's one of the other storylines that he has an undefeated streak well, maybe since he's become happy Corbin, maybe. Maybe. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Because I'm, I'm definitely, I've <laughs> surely seen that man lose plenty of times. Like, there's no way. But he did retire Kurt Angle, and that's a thing that happened. So that's. Well, and th- this is another thing, too. Like, there's CM Punk MJF storytelling, and then there's like WWE storytelling, oh, oh, which is just so <laughs> childlike, just, you know. Paint by now, there's, numbers. There's kids. There's kids shows that put on better storytelling than for sure. Than, for than sure. What w, WWE doesn't even like put on like good kids. It's like they watch. <laughs> this is like literally what I think they do. I think that they're like, hey, we need to we need to bring in the kids. So we're gonna watch like primetime Nickelodeon and Disney Channel, which is like <laughs> the worst like kid stuff there is. And we're gonna like that's our storytelling. And it's yeah. like, do you realize that that stuff's like corny bad? I legitimately like, think that the focus group every night is Vince's granddaughters. Like probably. that, you know, like that's like that seems like the direction of everything. When they go to the metaverse, they're gonna be getting slimed and like I mean, it's gonna be wrestlers versus Nicktoons. It's gonna be goofy. Literally goofy. We'll probably be in the metaverse. Well, and then this is another thing, like the the way that they're selling the WWE game. They're probably going to sell it to EA Sports, and I mean that's like the absolute worst terrible. You can sell it, Dude, and buy, all they care about. Yep. But all but they care the about EA, is we got EA. EA will release, yeah, EA will no. release a broken game, and they'll get yep. their money because that's why they're pissed off at 2K because 2K was yep. like, we're not releasing this game until it's ready. Right. And <laughs> WWE's like, no, we want the money this year. And they're like, well, you're not getting the money this year. 
So yeah. he is like, we love EA, screwing over our audience. Like we'll we'll get him to buy the game and tell him that he have to pay another hundred dollars to even like get good at the game. Like that's all it's all that freemium BS. It's not well, even freemium. And, you have to buy the game and then you gotta buy everything to get good at the game inside of the game. And they just sell you the same game over and over and over and over yeah, again. There's gonna be like it's just a couple of add-ons and DLC, but it's the same game. Like Oh my god! But like I said, they don't care about their audience. They don't care about their core base. They're just looking to see what kind of big deals that they can do. Can we land streaming service deals? Can we land video game deals, NFTs, whatever's hot? You know, that's what Nick Khan's there for. That's what their business is about. That's why they're on Saturday pay per views now. That's why they want to do stuff during like college bowl game season and New Year's Day. Like they're just, they're just, tr- and then with Pat McAfee and, and crossing over to like that mainstream, like, Oh, let's watch the WWE. But it's, it's just, and, and you've got Colin Cowherd who used to crap all oh, over the WWE yeah, he talking about eating morons. This yeah. is the best place to bring a family and have a yeah. great time. And it's just like, dude, Nick Khan was your former agent. I get what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like it just, I, I'm so. I why am I going to that damn show? This yeah, you got stupid. tricked. You got tricked. You got tricked on the hopes I of Steve Austin and to, Cody Rhodes. That's and, it. I bought tickets yeah. the no moment. The moment they said Steve Austin, Cody Rhodes, I bought tickets. I'm like, I'm already in Dallas, so it's yeah. not like I'm going there for these shows. I'm already there. Right. So either I'm driving home to watch them on pay per view, or I'm at least just going to go to the stadium. I only paid a yeah. hundred dollars per day. So it's not that big of a deal, but oh my gosh, I it sucks. It sucks. Sucks well, look so at, bad. Look at the MSG show. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's right. I mean, I cannot imagine doing that after you promoted that show on TV so hard. Um, and then be like, <laughs> okay, here's Austin Theory. And it'd be like, mm. what? Like, yeah. I mean, I could think of like guys who were on the show that you could have said, hey, this is the surprise, and they could have had, like, a match with with him, but with Brock, and it's like, this is ridiculous. And not only that, like, all the journalists, people are like, oh, they're really tight-lipped tonight. I don't know. Something's going on, and everybody's like, oh, it's Cody. It's Brock and Cody. And then they're just like, dude, it's Austin Theory. Like, it just right. – how many times? How many times do I have to let you down? How many times? I mean, like, it's just – and what's crazy to me is AEW really took a dent out of that New York audience, and then you're going to go and bring that lame crap? Like, it's just wild to me, man. I, 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 I And I guess we can kind of transition to AEW, but, like, I mean, for every time there's another roster added, another guy added to the roster, another guy that shows up, you're just like, the WWE is allowing this. They did this for them. Like, this is not supposed to happen. Nobody runs business like this. These guys were given all this TV time on the WWE. They were promoted. They were looked at as big stars. And then they just handed them over saying, you don't really fit, sorry. And so you already have a loyal fan base that knows them from the indies. And then you see them become even bigger names when they go to the WWE and then they're available to sign, and it just makes their roster just, like, it, when they say all elite now, it's not even, like, a catchphrase. Like, it's real. Like, if you're going to be on that roster, you have to be elite. And I just can't believe the WWE has allowed them 
to get this strong of a roster. It's it's just unheard of. Well, AEW didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, when you I look agree. at like like totally like, like when you look at like people will get mad because they're like, well, you know, they're hiring all these people and they're keeping, you know, they're not letting people go, which is not they're just letting their contracts go. Which I mean, that's what you should do anyways, um, unless the person wants to be let go. Um, but you look at that and like they didn't think that was going to happen, and so they're letting all these guys go, and now that roster is like you look at. All you look at, you look at Revolution. That is an insane show, and you know, Double or Nothing could be even crazier. That's what's crazy about it because you did Kenny wasn't on the show, Miro wasn't on the show. Yep. You know, you had Swerve you had could be on the show. That's going to be yeah, one. I mean, yeah. Dante you Mark was on this. You had the tag, which I mean, that's more of like a, and then you had the the tornado tag, which are more like gimmick matches. I mean, you FTR go to double or nothing. It could be just straight yeah. like one, like you know, one on one type <laughs> matches. Um, maybe one or maybe one gimmick match. It's cr- it absolutely that the roster is insane. I don't think people get that. So, well, yeah, I mean, you can tell because I mean, even like when, when AEW started, it was, it was basically like they knew for sure, like they had Kenny, the young bucks and Cody. And then like the big signing was Jericho. Like, cause he was like known and it was like, okay, we got Jericho. So like, we got like five guys that like people are going to know to some degree. Jericho is kind of our big star. And then they got Moxley and like, that was a really, <clears throat> really big deal. So they got another kind of star there, but the rest of the roster was basically what was essentially left over from people who didn't get signed when the WWE like went on hiring sprees. So like, it was kind of like the next crop of indie workers that were like starting to get over after all the other people got signed. So AEW just went into like the mode of just trying to develop people like the, you know, and get people on TV, like Joey Janela and Marco Stunt, just people that they just had access to, they put on TV and knew how to work. And now it's like, there's no way they could have possibly predicted that like the entire NXT roster that they were against is now working for them. And like big time stars and CM Punk would actually come back and Danielson would actually want to jump ship and and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just, I think people need to kind of put that into perspective too, especially when, you know, you, you know, people's contracts are, are, are coming up and like we were just saying, and that's, it's totally like I'm fans of the people who are getting like who aren't getting renewed, but like it, that's business, that's sports. Like you didn't have access to to these guys when when they signed three years ago, and now you have. It's just it's just all it is is business, and and those people are going to be fine outside of AEW, by the way, because you can make money on the indies and in all these other companies now. Like you know, and they can always come back too. So I thought that was a good point that you brought up about how it was unpredictable that they could even possibly be in a position like this so quickly. Well, and I mean, I really think like the main focus was the elite, right? And you had Cody and you had Jericho and then Moxley was really the one that was like going to put it over the top of like, these are your core guys. This is going to be your focus. And then we have like, we'll focus on our tag team division and, and we'll just go from there. And, like, if you notice, the, like, the pay-per-views, Cody usually had, like, a big marquee-focused match. And Jericho, of course, was the champion. And then Kenny was kind of, like, a lot of people didn't like the way Kenny was used because they thought he should have been the guy. And the Bucks always had, like, a big um, pay-per-view type match. But, like, that's what 
AEW was going to be. And it has now just become this powerhouse, man. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's absolutely insane. And then, so we're just talking about the roster, right? But, I mean, we've seen great rosters mean not much when it's not ran well. You've got a guy that's our peer, basically, running this thing. And that, like you said, the geekdom, right? Well, like, he he's like head honcho of geekdom, and this is his company, and he's running it. And it's just, it's like me and Bill were talking during the pay-per-view, and we were like, you know, how many times have we watched something and we're like, dude, if I could book this show, like, it would be so much better. And we're watching Revolution, and we're like, I don't think we could book a good a show as this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I like don't even think it's not necessarily just Tony. I think it's Tony and like a, a bunch of really smart, great wrestlers all in like a discussion of what they want to do and how things should be tweaked. And they're like perfecting professional wrestling, you know? And they're, they're doing what they're doing is so like high level to me. And like, I love it so much because yep. they'll have things like, moxley and danielson like you kind of have an idea where the story may or may not go like leading up to it but you know they're gonna fight at the pay-per-view for sure and the and it happens and you get down to it and like the finish is a little bit like i, I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not but it didn't look like uh danielson's shoulder was like all the way down when it was getting counted so there was like reason for them to keep fighting and and you're like oh cool like this is going to continue and the, they might be a team and then they hit you out of nowhere with William Regal. And you're like, yep. dude, this is better than I could have even thought. Because now it's like, wait, Regal and Moxley and Danielson and probably Moriarty and Garcia and Yuta. Like, this is literally like if I had a dream federation that I could make out of, like, my favorite types of wrestlers. Like, this would be – like, this is perfect. So how do well, you feel about then, seeing that? Then when they clicked to me was like – okay, so they're just two violent psychos and they're too crazy to calm down and, like, form this faction because they're so obsessed with, like, beating each other up and, and like, testing each other, right? So when Regal showed up, it was like, oh, so he's the guy that can bring it all together. He's the yeah. guy that can, like, form the faction and make sure that people are focused on their task at hand and, and all that. And so I was just like, damn, that's smart. Damn, that's genius. Like, there's a lot of things like that that happen. And I'm just like, wow, I would have never and, thought And all this that. is going on, and we don't even have New Japan yet. Not right. even close. Because <laughs> yeah. eventually, now that things are op open, yep. we're going to get that at some point and that's going to make it even crazy like i don't think people realize how much crazier that's going to get because you're going to probably get the elite versus bullet club you're going to get a bunch of weird stuff that you're not even thinking that's going to be awesome um so yeah like like it's it's amazing like you guys were saying like like i had in my mind what all of these matches were going to be and as we talk about, we can talk a bit like none of them for the except for maybe the Bucks match. Um, but a lot of these matches did not go, and in the best way possible, they did not go the way I thought they were going to go. And yeah. that is as a testament to, like you said, to the to the wrestlers probably having the freedom to do that, and also Tony being a geek, being a wrestling geek, and knowing, hey, let's have the '90s All Japan match that you know 
the other geeks are going to freak out about and the, and then we'll have a bunch of people that probably have never seen a match like this that are going to be like what the hell did i just see and then yeah. you know and everything else in between and so it's 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 just it's insane it really is and like, not only like, that like, just the variety like the, right. if, if you like this type of match you'll get it here if you like this type of match you'll get it in this match and like so on and so on and then not only that like when you get a Sting match, you're not thinking like he's going to be New Jack and jump off the freaking balcony through tables. Awesome. You know what I mean? But it's like it works perfect. And they book Sting so smart. And like the way that they do the video package for Darby and allow him to be so creative and and help his character and also make Sting look cool. Like, and okay, Sting, Sting is all in on give that. You a blow if, you, yeah. totally. if you've not seen his interview at the scrum, after the pay-per-view where he's talking about that video, yeah, that is awesome. Because you can just tell yeah. that like he loves doing what he's doing, even though he has no idea what it is. You can tell he loves it. And it's <laughs> yeah. like it's the craziest thing. So yeah. It's the best. No, I agree. It's awesome. Um everyone I guess we quick. can just kind of go well, uh okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say just real quick, everyone who's in here, like we got we have some super chats here, we'll get to in a second. Um that's a way to make sure you guarantee that we'll get your question up on the question statement. Whatever you got, we'll put up on the screen, read it out. Um, and if you can hit the like button, that that helps us out a lot too. That thumbs up uh, on YouTube. But do you want to do super chats first, or do you yeah. want to talk about you want to do super chats first? Okay, Let's do super let, chats because it might be a while before we get to them if we don't. So okay, because there's one thing in particular about Revolution I really can't wait to talk about. But we'll get to that. Afterwards. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Matt Phillips reviews, uh, appreciate the super chat, man. Uh, it says my birthday was Friday. We went to revolution sting diving through tables was a highlight for me. Got to meet Wardlow after the show. Great week, man. I'm jealous. Cause that, that pay-per-view was awesome. So that, that's really cool. Um, we had another one from Kogan. Kogan with the, uh, the big super chat. I appreciate it. Kogan. Um, if Sean had lost his smile and had faced Brett at WrestleMania 13, what do you think could have been done with Austin on that show? Was there a way to develop Austin without, without the submission match, or was that a happy accident necessary? I think it was necessary because I think it pushed. Yeah. I think it pushed Vince's hand. That is also what I, I feel. That's the best match in WWE history. Even even better than like the the NXT matches because that match told such an amazing story and and also the fact that the crowd literally flips during the match like you didn't just do a double turn you did a double turn and it wasn't like you did the double turn and then it's later it's during the match even with the fans even though the crowd had already kind of started turning on brett and were cheering for austin but that was <laughs> I, I could that mm. That's my favorite match. I think that was like the super happy. But I think a lot of that stuff with Austin was definitely a because I mean he was going against so much stuff like politically and everything else in that company at the time. Um, you know, just just like Vader, who's going into the Hall of Fame. Finally, um, you know, I mean, if, if you don't know the history of Vader in WWE, realize WWE is the only company that guy never got over in, and it was because of yeah. the way they used him, and it was because he wasn't allowed to be himself. And he left that company and everyone thought he was done and then turned around and won multiple like like comeback of the year awards um, when he went back to Japan. So, you know, 
that was going on in that company at the time. So yeah, no, I think that was a happy accident, but I think a lot of stuff with the Austin was a happy accident. So. Yeah. I, the way I feel about it is I feel like if Austin was around now, they would have never had the patience for Austin and they would never have given him the, like if the ringmaster didn't work, then he was just going to be done. And yeah. I, to me, like their vision of the rock was Rocky Maivia. Like that's what they wanted for, for it, that to be him. And, and it didn't work. And I feel like part of the reason that, you know, they, they ended up giving these guys chances because they were desperate in trouble and they were getting their butt kicked from WCW and they had a lot of pressure on them. If that wasn't the case, I mean, I don't know what, what we would have saw back then. Like the attitude era was something that was an accident that, that they were forced into. It's not something that is Vince McMahon's vision of pro wrestling. That's why he, you know, when he, when he looks at AEW, I'm sure he sees some things that are attitude era like, and he cringes because he's like, well, we're sports entertainment. He even said in that Pat McAfee interview that, that, you know, it's much more prestigious to be a WWE superstar than a pro wrestler, you know, and, and that's the way that he looks at things. So, um, I, I, uh, I think that they would have milked the the crap out of Sean and Brett till the very end. And then and I think Austin would have just been a guy that was from WCW that didn't work out in the WWE, got released, and that was it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to think about how different everything would be if that actually never happened. But yeah, I'm with you, Josh. That WrestleMania 13 match is like always talked about as like one of the one of the top ever. Especially like psychology wise, storytelling wise, like yes. that's like you don't even have to watch wrestling to even like you can understand exactly what's going on if you just watch the match from bell to bell, like without even having to be a wrestling fan. It's so good. That match is so good that yeah. I always make this joke that that nobody on any site is ever going to do this. But if you did a top like ten matches from the nineties, no one's ever going to do it because there might be two matches from North America on that, sh- on, on that list. Um, and there's going to be a lot of women's matches that people are going to be like, what the hell is this on that list? Honestly. But that's the match that would probably be the highest of like any American match on that list. And it would probably be, I- I'd say somewhere between five and eight on that list. And that says a lot because those other matches are like all time, like, crazy it took okada and and omega to get to that level that's 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 the level of matches we're talking about um and so that's that that match is just amazing in my and it always will be to me i and maybe that's that that's me looking through blinders and and nostalgia and all that but i i just the storytelling that match is amazing so oh yeah what's the next super chat doug uh cactus j22 appreciate the super chat says i'm a fan of your show but i think going forward you guys should follow the motto if you don't have anything nice don't say anything at all yeah that ain't the show man like i'm sorry like uh, i appreciate the support and all but this has never been me at all like if uh, i don't like something i call it out i've always been that way i basically uh made my name off of doing that um so i uh, i don't know what bothered you about what we talked about um but i'm just gonna call it like i see it honestly 
I'll say this. We appreciate the super chat and like, I don't, I, you, you, you might be joking for all we know, like by saying that, I don't It's kind of, cause it's kind of funny to send us money and be like, I don't like what you're doing, but like, I'm going to send you like, you could have just said it in the chat for free, but, but hey, we appreciate the super chat and like, we, we like that you, that you enjoy the show, but we are going to complain about stuff here and there. Although we do praise a lot of stuff too. I mean, we're talking like, really really positively if wwe does something great i'll give him props i bought damn tickets to their show isn't that worth something you know what i mean like i uh i don't think that um i guess too it also depends on what area you grew up how much you've really been put through and all this stuff like you know at this point like i'm just over them i've been over them i mean i was i did a channel this channel in 2006 talking about the wwe sucking and it made a comeback, in my opinion, um, for me, like around 2012, 2011, like the CM Punk, uh, I don't even know that, 2010, when it was a John Cena, CM Punk feud. Um, 2016, I really enjoyed the WWE. I enjoyed AJ Styles' run. Um, I enjoyed uh, a lot of pro wrestling, NXT's rise, all that, but I mean, like at this point, you've gotten rid of NXT. You you have really no future. There's not a lot of stars to look forward to. You're basically banking your whole company on Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. It's just washing. I like how this. I like how this dude was his super chat was like, man, I wish y'all would just not say anything if you didn't have something good to say. And you just I like went help to it. the throat. Like you went straight like, to like, what's the worst things I could say about the I'll WWE? Add, I'll add fuel to that fire. And I will say that I think way too many people who comment on wrestling are too nice um, sometimes. I agree. And, and for various reasons. Um, I think sometimes I get fake. it. Sometimes I'm like, that? dude, you gotta, you, gotta just, you guys burn them. You gotta burn them. <laughs> um, and because... I think that especially when you're commentating on something, if you, you're not genuine, it hurts. It, it hurts in the long run because you can't be, it can't be like that. So um, you need yeah. to be genuine. You need to have, you need to have that with your fan base. So yeah. That would you be know, I don't believe in like rage, hate, dropping F bombs and just destroying them. But like honest criticism, I think is very fair. And listen, if AEW like falls way off the wayside, I'll be the first one to call them out on it because I, I, yeah, I have a criticism for this pay per view. I have a yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and, and we we, yeah. we might not agree, and that's okay. Like I'm not here to just say like yeah, everything that you say is correct and everything I say is correct. Like I enjoyed being challenged on a lot of things. Um, I think that's how you become a smarter wrestling fan, honestly. Right. So, well, um, but I appreciate it. Yes, real quick. So before we get to John's super chat, because this is actually going to tie in to what I wanted to bring up, anyways. Um, okay. So we'll get to John's super chat while we're talking about this. But um, okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I I'm not quite as old as you guys. I've been watching wrestling for like 30 years, give or take, you know, yeah. and but like consistently obsessed with it and all that stuff. This CM Punk in MJF stuff is like like top tier wrestling. I mean, like, this is like, 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 this is, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Like, the story was incredible. There was a a lot of realism built into it. And then, like, it's, we could talk about the whole entrance and the, 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 all the fans fighting over it and stuff. But it's like, for, like, I'm going to ask Josh specifically first, because I know you were really, really big into Ring of Honor, you know, uh, in those days. I mean, I, I legitimately think, like, this might have been one of, 
one of, if not the best, like overall feuds of like maybe oh, seen it, in it, wrestling. It, I, I would. Here's the thing. This is a better produced, better. I'm not gonna say better told, but because probably told the same. Um, but with better talent of really like, and and the feud I'm gonna talk about is a long feud. Would be Tommy Dreamer and Raven, right? And that's yeah. that's 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 high praise because that that was the feud that really built ECW. Sabu and Taz was kind of like under that because then no one ever thought they were actually going to get it. And it was always like this hinted thing, but what you turned in for was to see, okay, what's going to happen next with, with Tommy dreamer and Raven and that whole thing. That's very much this. Um, and no, this is like when they did the, when MJF came out and he cut that promo of that was, that was basically him. You know, everyone's like, Oh, is he turning face? What's going on? I was like, holy crap. This is, this is, this is not something you normally see. This is not something that, especially in U S wrestling, this is not something that, that you see at all. Um, like peak triple a in the nineties, you saw some stuff like this. Um, I'm sure because I don't speak the language, so I could never tell you. But um, I'm sure there was there was stuff very similar, especially cultural rise with uh, Japan was Hollywood. But I mean, you're talking this is top tier. Like I've heard a lot of people I completely trust and completely like um, love their opinions saying this is maybe the best feud they've ever seen. And that says a ton to me so like this is this is unreal stuff yeah okay so yeah we're, we're on the same i mean <laughs> it does i yeah what, what do you think because yeah. i yeah I, I was i was blown away and here's the other thing just real quick i i i have you know i followed mjf's indie run pre AEW, and i have seen him cut that that exact promo before in a ring in, in nashville tennessee when he's talking about getting the quarters thrown at him and he was actually using a lot more colorful language that i won't even like repeat on youtube um, about the things that people were saying to him being Jewish growing up and all this stuff. And he kicked the promoter in the nuts right after he cut that promo. So I, in my mind, I was like, I was just waiting for him to kick CM Punk in the nuts. I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But the fact that they got him to the point where CM Punk actually like let his guard down and was like, you know what, man, like, all right, maybe I am the bad guy here. And that's when he just beats the piss out of him heading into the pay-per-view. Like Doug, what are your thoughts on all this, man? I mean, I just thought it was, it's been an incredible um, buildup. And one thing that I picked up, that I picked up is, you know, I basically uh, have an archive, right, of like older footage and stuff. And I went back and I watched, um, and, and this is an older footage of ROH stuff, but just a recent AEW stuff. And uh, if you go back and watch the video package of MJF and CM Punk going into their first match in Chicago, like the whole buildup is Max basically talking about how he'll turn your back. He'll turn his back on you. He doesn't care about you. He's not the same guy, blah, blah, blah. But like, it was never like implicated that it's actually his real feelings because it was to him. Right. Like it's just, he's trying to, but he's already setting that stage. And then like the moment that, CM Punk shows the picture that's when it like 
that, okay, now I'm going to really open up and tell him what happened. And like to have this happen in pro wrestling, I just feel like is, is, is such a breath of fresh air. But I, I said this back in the day, Steven, I remember when CM Punk first signed and I was just like, what happens if we get a motivated CM Punk? Right. What happens if we get a CM Punk where like his ideas are actually listened to? Like what happens because people are excited to get like WWE CM Punk back, but like we haven't seen the other CM Punk in a really long time. And for me, I'm going to be honest, the very first time I ever saw CM Punk was in ECW, the WWE version. And then I went back and watched old ROH, but like I never actually like, you know, real time CM Punk ROH stuff. So um, for me, it was just really cool. And it was such perfect timing that like Tony bought Ring of Honor and then CM Punk is coming out to that music and he's um, dressed up in old CM Punk gear. And honestly, this kind of goes to the super chat from John where says, uh, hey guys, CM Punk, love of wrestling really was a show on Revolution and in the presser, what did you make of his WWE fans and telling stories comments. Um, first of all, the presser is just so heartwarming, in my opinion, because it's like, it's just been such a journey of this guy who you really felt like hated pro wrestling at a certain point. Like, he just wanted nothing to do with it. And, like, a lot of fans felt betrayed by him. And he was just really like bitter towards the whole thing. And I'm like thinking to myself, like this guy's going to be Bret Hart 2.0 almost. Right. And then to, to see him cry, to see him so emotional, to talk about how much he loves ring of honor and, and then like go back and watch that entrance and go back and see him smiling down the ramp. Like he used to smile when he was going down the walking down a ring of honor it was just like that guy, Phil Brooks, CM Punk, it like it this his soul has returned to him. It, it really feels that way. And I think that when you're a nerd, a wrestling nerd like us, and you can really deep dive into that moment and just how much that meant to him is where it really like you have that emotional connection. And I think that's why so many people are so pissed off about the entrance and guys trying to act like it wasn't a big deal or he was coming out to a Terminator remix song or whatever the case may be. It's like people are upset that you don't understand that moment, how important that moment was. And, and I think that's a big thing. And that also makes me think about like the New Japan stuff too, because there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens with New Japan where people are going to be like, Who's Okada? What's this big deal? Like, and one happened, and I like it happened with how like they Gage that. before too. Like, like right? But yeah, you know, it's gonna. It's, but that's the thing is, is like I, I just don't give a shit about it at all because I'm like because because it, it's because it's literally, it's like anything else. Like, if you, it, it's like I, it's all. So I think wrestling fans. I think it ultra invested more than like other people that like have other fandoms. I think a part of that is 
is like they feel like they have like an actual outcome like like a real like say in the outcome of like what they're seeing on the show like you could be like as upset about like a movie as you want to be but like it's one movie and like there's nothing you really do to change it you can voice your opinions but but like in wrestling fans feel so attached to it so and also wrestling fans all of them every wrestling fan thinks that they know the most about wrestling and that their idea about wrestling is the best idea about wrestling so when all of a sudden Mr. Wrestling fan, who's like the top wrestling fan of like his his friends group, and they're sitting there and they're watching Revolution, and CM Punk comes out to some music that he doesn't recognize. He's going, "Well, I don't know what this is," and they're all going, "Oh, you don't know what this is?" And I was getting mad because he's like, "I know everything about wrestling. Now I don't know about this. Like, how yeah. do I not know about this?" And then we have there's fans like us going, "Well, yeah, we did because we were around like to see it happen, but." This because we were around to see it happen, just right. like you're around to see this happen, and there's going to be people who are going to be new to wrestling. I mean, it, it was, but it was wild to see that become such a topic of conversation. Like, that well, I think the reason I think one of the things that fueled it was that you had a lot of commentators who I think got mad because you know, pay per views going on, just you know, they're live tweeting like they always do. I think a lot of them said they got. You know the, the Raven stuff, but didn't really get the Raven stuff. It was more like they saw people talking about it and said, "Oh, that's what it's from," and then pretended that they did. But then yeah. while they're while they're live tweeting, well, now they're caught that yes. no, you don't know what you're talking about. I yeah. think, and then they got mad because way too many of them doubled down when people were mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, it's this." Where all they could have said is, "Wow, what I, I, is what is this?" And there's enough people to go, "Hey." It's this. This is what it is. This is what they're doing. You know, there is there has been enough, you know, of those elaborate WWE entrances that fell flat. Yeah, a lot of them involved Triple H that people, <laughs> you know, that that I didn't see all this complaining about. It was like, oh, I didn't get it. Move on. You know, maybe we'll have a good laugh about it later. Not just like they shouldn't have done this. Not enough fans got what it was. You're only, you know, you're only only like five percent of your fan base is gonna get this. And I get all that. That's that's that that's fine. And you can say, hey, maybe you shouldn't have done this, but just like the oh my god, I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with these people? It's not that big of a deal. If you didn't get the entrance, you didn't get the entrance. I got it, I loved it. It was one of those moments where it was like, I love pro wrestling, I love this company yeah. because Goose they boss. did this thing. Yeah, where like as soon as because it's funny because somebody I'm sitting there watching it. I'm kind of, I was, I think it was on Twitter, um, said, oh, he should come out to that. He should come out to the song. And it was like, I was like, I was like, that'd be cool. And then they did it. And I was like, holy shit. And then it was just like, I just, I just went off on it because like my wife walked in because literally I was screaming because I could not believe they were doing it because it was, yeah. it was like, all right, we're, we're, we are in for it now. Cause this is, this is going to be greatness, but yeah. That, that, well, and, and I think he helped them out by coming out to his ROH gear. Like this is, if you don't understand the music, then at least you're getting the gear, right? You get right. part of this, you know, he's throwing up the X, like what, what, what part are we are we not getting here? You know, so like for for me, it was uh, it was really cool, and it was done so smart because all we thought was MJF was just being dick, taking away his shine, taking away his moment, and so we didn't even think about him coming out to another song. 
But I thought to myself, like, dude, this is going to be so corny when Punk comes out to the same thing again and, like, the crowd's going to double pop for it, which they would have. But, man, they just – it was so smart the way they did it. And it really – it reminded me a lot, uh, you know, because I'm a WWE mark back in the day, right? Like, that's what I grew up on. But it reminded me a lot of, like, Triple H, Cactus Jack, where it was like – now MJF realizes that he's not facing a Mick Foley. He's facing Cactus Jack. Like, that's the type of symbolism that I took from it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole thing was just was so good. And, and the, thing with, the thing with Punk, too, that I want – y'all touched on it as well. But, you know, that really felt like the return of, like, that like – his soul coming back, like you, like you said. Because it was, it was really one of those things where – I've been very critical, you know, CM Punk and the UFC and stuff, you know, and, but that was just strictly from like the perspective of like being an MMA fan and just knowing he just didn't really fit into that. But at the same time, now I'm like, damn, like, I'm not going to like make fun of this guy about anything like going forward. Like this is like, he he's that same guy is still in there. Like that, that I was a fan of all those years ago. And, and I think something else that people that get that upsets uh, a lot of these people that are getting so mad about this. I could be wrong, but just a, just a guess. A lot of the CM Punk, especially, I think, is is why this is happening because so many people that claim to be longtime wrestling fans, a lot of them really are wrestling fans more around the time that CM Punk got popular in the WWE. Like a lot of them, and they think they're all the biggest CM Punk fan because they love CM Punk and they loved him in the WWE, but they never were really around at all for his Ring of Honor run. So now it's like they feel like, man, I'm the biggest. It's, I love CM Punk. I'm always talking about CM Punk being my favorite wrestler, and then they get caught with their pants down when they don't when they don't know right. what this entrance is and what this gear is. Um, yeah. So they just feel really foolish, and they kind of. I mean, I saw. I won't name names that y'all probably could know exactly the people I'm talking about, but there were people who like run like large wrestling sites that didn't know what this was, you know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like it's hard. It's one of those things where like. Just because you didn't know what this is, does that discredit everything that you say about wrestling? No, no, but it does discredit some things that you might say because, like, I know you weren't around then. So and, and I don't expect everyone different. to know everything. I don't know everything. There's a lot of there's right. there's a lot of stuff from Mexico that I have no clue on. And like like you were saying, like I'm sure like like even like like Doug who went back, I'm sure he's never gone back and watched like the IWA Mid South stuff that Punk did. Nope. Which is which, <laughs> which is which is like just as good, um, but yeah, like like how much, like you can always dive more, especially like if you like in modern times because so much of it is accessible. Like you can at least find it somewhere. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I was just shocked that so many people were just like they like almost doubled down because they didn't know, and I was right. like, just say you don't know. Like there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff like. You know, like if I, like if I went on a rant on like people who didn't know about Vader in Europe, people like in the chat would be like, "What are you talking about?" Right? Yeah. But so, but I know that I don't expect anybody else necessarily to know that. But I, now I was more like shocked about the people that were just seemed really mad about the fact <laughs> they didn't know what it was. I'm yeah. Like, I saw I saw you quote tweet something from uh, Louis Dangor, who man, shout out to Louis. He's always out there with the the hot spicy wrestling uh, tweets. 
but um but that he brought up the best the, thing. <laughs> but, but 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 he brought up but he brought up the brood entrance and i think that this that this actually relates to what we're talking about like did, did like the WWE did something similar to a degree right. when Edge did the brute entrance? Like we got that because we were fans in the nineties, but right. there are, most of their audience probably didn't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I didn't see the same kind of like outrage well, online was like, about. Louis was like, was like, oh, I loved it, but I hated this because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even a like I was a kid when this was going on. You weren't even born when the brood was a, was around. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love Louie. Sure. I, I love you, man. If you see this, good guy. I'll, I'll say this about Louie. The kid's he's 19 years old. I, can't, I If I had that large of a voice, like when I was 19, like to put my voices out, my, out on the internet, it'd be the things that I used to say about, about wrestlers. I wouldn't even want public when I was 19. So He's he's an easy target, but he's, he's also good enough to realize when he's wrong. Right. And what we learned about this was that there's all people who are a lot older than him who were not willing to admit that they were wrong. So, right. so yeah, I will leave that at that. All right, so I guess let's just go match by match and break it down and 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 talk about what we thought was great and and all that jazz. Um, uh, the pre-show, the the one match I thought was really good was the uh, House of Black versus Death Triangle and Eric Redbeard. I thought that was really good. I think Buddy Matthews Murphy, whatever he, I think he is gonna. He, if they he, if he actually gets time to really show himself in the ring, I think he's an awesome wrestler. I think he would do really well. I would love to see him wrestle Kenny Omega. I think that they have very similar styles. Um, I just don't know what the plan is for the House of Black. Um, I think they're very cool looking. I think that they're toyetic. Like a lot of people will be into them. I just don't know what the in-game storyline would be for them. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Death Triangle. It's just a matter, sorry, the Death Triangle and uh, the House of Black. But Eric Redbeard doesn't like make sense to even be in like with the death triangle, I feel like it makes more sense for him to be a part of the house of black. If he's going to be, yeah, I almost felt like he was going to turn on him. I think he's going, he got the the misfit in his, uh, like he got the poison in his eyes or whatever during the match. Maybe he'll, but I mean, as far as like, um, like this was the pre-show, right? House of black. And and like that, that was a great pre-show match. Um, that's definitely one where like, if you're on the fence about buying the pay-per-view, like that's the kind of match you want to get people to, to buy last minute for sure. Yeah, the pre-show was think? probably one of the best pre-shows I could ever remember watching. Um, I thought yeah. um, the women's match was okay. I'll get I'll yeah. get into the women's match later. Um, the you know the hook match was exactly what it needed to be. I know people yeah. like to uh, just rag on QT, but QT did exactly what he was supposed to do, and it was the it was. It was perfect. He was the, you know, he was the perfect veteran heel that, hey, you're going to roll over me, but not before I get my stuff in. And then, yeah, though, the uh, <clears throat> the six the six man was was great. Um, you know, I think on a lot of shows that have been, you know, people would be talking about that as like the match of the night um, very easily. And, yeah. you know, little did we know. Um, right. but like what you guys were saying kind of about like, like, I like the aesthetics and I like a lot of the ideas about the house of yep. black. Um, I think they take it a little too far and I'm a huge Penta fan. 
Um, so when they kind of teased that they were going to bring him back like he is, I was really excited. But then they put Alex in that stupid outfit. I can't stand that. It, I'm like, you didn't, why, come, I'm like, you didn't come back. I can understand the, the first time. I can understand the first time you were like, oh, we'll see if this works. But then after that, no, it doesn't. Even, yeah. And if it's supposed to be like a, a takeoff of what Vampiro did in Lucha Underground, go back and look at what Vampiro did in Lucha Underground. That looks so much cooler than what than what Alex is because he looked he was basically a dark boat, um, not like a wacky looking Grim Reaper. Um, but yeah, other than that, the match was awesome. Um, yeah. And I love like like I was a huge fan of Lucha Underground, so like. The whole like a lot of the spooky lorey stuff I can get into, but this is a little too over the top and they go a little too heavy with it. Um, I think if they just brought it back a little bit and especially did not do a lot of it in the matches, it would work a whole lot better because everyone wants to cheer these guys. I mean, they're all people yeah. that people want to cheer. And um yeah, yeah Matthews looked awesome. Um Redbeard looked really great. I mean Supposedly, the reason why he was in the match was because they needed someone to replace Phoenix because Phoenix didn't get cleared. So that's why he was, supposedly that's why he was in the match. Also, they need a big man to face Brody, in my opinion. Yeah, like, and I love so that. I love, I love the fact that <clears throat> somehow AEW, the little man promotion, does big man <laughs> stuff better than WWE does. Yeah. Because they did that yeah. throughout the night. So and, and yeah. Cody, Cody also alluded to it in like one of those promos before he left the company, where he's like, "If you're gonna call yourself Brody in this company, like you gotta have some balls, right. basically." And now it's like Redbeard versus Brody, which is like kind of crazy how that all uh, how that all happened. Also, very accurate, um, ECW Hardcore Seven. I thought he looked <laughs> exactly like Wolfpack Sting standing on the outside with that uh, red face paint. Maybe um, Sting painted his face. Ooh, I have one of those masks somewhere. One of those wolf pack, <laughs> oh, red man. wolf pack masks. I have one somewhere. In man, this I wish you were wearing it right now. I, <laughs> I, wish, I, I wish I had. I would. I'd wear that on on the Fightful show on Thursday if I had one for sure. I bet you would. Yeah, I thought about painting my face like Sting on Thursday. It's just way too much hassle. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> what's the what's the next match so, you want to talk about? Jericho and Kingston. Oh, this is um, this is yeah. awesome. Awesome. And I love I love the storytelling in the match. Um, I props to Jericho for getting in shape again. I think it's definitely helped him in the ring. I thought that they had a very solid match. And uh I I loved when Eddie won how he sold the shock of winning the big one finally. Like it was like I, I won, I won, I won the big one, and then I really hate Jericho as a face. I can't stand it, especially in his later part of his career. And I really think that this is going to bring back evil Jericho, refusing to shake his hand. How dare someone like Eddie Kingston beat me? I also heard that he was looking to trademark sports entertainer or something like that. So I feel like that's going to be the the gimmick going forward is like, I'm the almighty sports entertainer and you're an indie jobber and you know what I mean? Know your role type thing. So, um, but I thought the match was good. This is the one that you were talking about the all Japan match, correct? Yeah, this yeah. is, this is, this was like, so this is, this is an exact, this is so like perfect for the like CM Punk entrance. So if you don't know any of what I'm about to say, it doesn't matter because virtually everyone was like, that might've been the best match of the night. So yeah. 
Kenny Kingston is a huge Kawada fan, um, who was like the number three guy in all Japan during the nineties of the, of the main four dudes. Um, and then, and he was basically doing all of Kawada's stuff. Like, like, like the, the kicks that he does, the chops that he do does, that's all Kawada stuff. The, the half and half he did, that's Kawada stuff. The, and then Jericho, um, when he first went to Japan, worked for Tenru, who was another uber major, 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 major Japanese legend. And Jericho was pulling out a lot of Tenru stuff. So if you knew that, you were like seeing like a lot of that stuff. And so there was another layer of it, but you didn't have to know it to enjoy the match. But yeah. um, no, I love because I love this style. This was like when I first like started like expanding kind of like what like I could even imagine wrestling was. This was like kind of the first style of stuff that I ever saw about that and around that. And this was it was so awesome. It was just like, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe like yeah. as soon as they he did the suplex. I was like, they're gonna do this, and it's gonna be awesome, and I cannot wait. I was like, I was, I, I was jazzed as soon as as soon as this because I knew it was coming. So, but yeah, it was a great match. Um, not, I didn't think the best match of the night, but like you, any match, there was like five matches you could say were match of the night. Yeah. I'm not gonna argue with you. So, yeah, like, this was awesome. This was awesome, and Jericho being the age he was, being able to go out there and do a match like this was great. And like you said, how he has trimmed down. He should he should he should go the DDP route and be like, hey, this is this is the Jericho diet because I don't know how. Right. Well, I think know. it actually is DDP yoga probably that like is getting Pro- him in shape. Probably so. and, and I get there's a lot of people that just they don't like Jericho for a lot of outside reasons, which is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. whatever. But yeah. this match was so so great, and this was like classic like Jericho being like the 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 the, the veteran was like. We're going to go on first. This is what we're going to do, you know, type of thing. Um, and, and Perfect just, way to open the show. Yeah. Perfect yeah, way to open the and show. And different from anything else on the show, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, well, and, but, and the yeah. crowd was like, they wanted Kingston to win so bad. And, like, he did. And he won by submission with a stretch plum. So it was, like, definitive yeah. win, made Jericho tap out, won the big match. Uh, yeah, like and it wasn't right away away. either. Like he had to work, keep working it, and he finally got him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course, you know, I love seeing this because I don't know if you know this, Josh, but like Jericho is my favorite wrestler of all time. Like, gun to my head, if you had to tell, like, I can only pick one wrestler. And part of it is the longevity and proving he can be that guy in like every company (laughs) he goes to. And there's there's Sting and Cody Rhodes that are like knocking at that door for you. Well, uh, Cody Steven. is Cody is a biased <laughs> one. Of because, personal, you know, though, right? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Right. And, and I do enjoy his wrestling, <laughs> but like if I didn't have that attachment to him, I, I don't know if I would defend him as vehemently as I do. But it's one of those things <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, Shawn Michaels uh, in the 90s, uh, Jericho in like the late 90s and like early 2000s for sure. And like kind of everything he's done since. And Randy Savage is like, you got me, like yeah. you hooked, hooked into wrestling. Um, right. But uh, so those that's kind of a good litmus to kind of know where I'm at as a fan. And, um, and to see Jericho, like it bums me out when I see people turn so hard on people that they like for so long. Like, even, I mean, there's good reason sometimes, of course, but like with Jericho, there's outside stuff, but then there was a a lot of it was people that are like, he's out of shape and he can't go in the ring anymore and this and that. And it's like, well, yeah, he can. I mean, I don't know if there was like a lack of motivation there for a while or something, but like what we saw against Eddie Kingston, like 
nobody can say that that wasn't a great match. Like that was a great match. And that was on Jericho and Kingston. That was a, a partnership that made that match great. So it's yeah. good to see Jericho. And that's the other thing we, we all know about Jericho. He, in his mind, he's probably like, all right, the Judas, the Judas song, like it's not going to be over forever. And like, there's, yeah. you know, he's got to pivot. Like he has to constantly be changing to stay relevant. And it's smart because most wrestlers would just, would just, you know, drill this stuff into the ground and just over and over and over and over until it's not cool anymore. He's pretty good at like reading the room when it comes to this kind of stuff and be like, all right, this, I got like the sports entertainer thing. I could see that being a, a totally different character than what we've been yeah. seeing with like the whole Judas thing. So um, yeah, I, I think I, I, heard, I love that match. I think I heard that his uh, health scare in England when he went to the hospital is one of the main reasons he's losing the weight. So hmm. apparently that motivated him enough to, I know he to gained, get in shape. Like a lot of that weight because he felt like since everybody else when the company was so small, yeah, he yeah. needed to be the, the the big kind of jacked guy. Um, but he yeah, was all, you know, he, was, I, I, he he was he would be better if he lost that weight anyway. So yeah, he kind of reminded. I do me, think it looks good. Go ahead. Well, I was say he kind of reminded me, especially when he would go over to Japan, because like they're just generally smaller there. So like he was like really big there when he put weight on, and it kind of reminded me of like Morishima. You know what I mean? It was like kind of the big guy who could go in the ring, but like the the body type was. Like when you looked at Morishima, you're like, this guy's a wrestler, but then you saw him wrestle and you're like, oh damn, like, this guy's really really go. So uh, I, don't know, I used to call him I used to call him Moritako. Oh man. <laughs> but, but he was a, he was a good he was a good No, wrestler. I'm just saying I was yeah. just a dumb kid. I had no respect. I, I just thought he sucked because he was fat. So I didn't even watch him much for the most part. But um yeah, I, I do think though, like cosmetically, it kind of helps the match, right? Because Jericho's like the sports entertainer, and Eddie Kingston's like, you know, not in the best of shape indie guy. And so, by the way that looks, it, it looked a lot better. It worked out really well. I really liked the match; thought it was really good. Um, and then, what was what was next? Was it the tag match? The tag yeah, match. that went right into the tag match, which was like yeah. awesome. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that was one of those where you're like, wow, yes. they're doing it already. Okay, let's go. You know, yeah. so um, I thought the tag match was awesome. I thought that uh, you know, in my opinion, Young Bucks on pay per view or can't miss. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I mean, I love those guys. I think they're the and, best tag uh, team in the world. I honestly do. Like in ring, they're the most entertaining yeah. team in the world to me. To me, yeah. to me, they are the Shawn Michaels of tag teams. Like if you're just yeah. going to talk about like wrestling, yeah. <laughs> body of work, like when yeah. it's all said and done, when these guys retire, the catalog that they will have, and it will be and. And they changed the game of wrestling forever. They really did. And and uh, I don't think they always get enough credit. And I think they get a lot of hate, unnecessary hate. Um, but they a lot of that hate, by the way, is, a lot of the hate, by the way, is people. The, a lot of the same kind of people we're talking about that like didn't watch BTE and like weren't paying attention to their New Japan run, and yeah. like they just see them in AEW and they like don't fully get it like we do. You know, it's just it's, it's just different to them. You know. Yeah. And I absolutely didn't expect Jurassic Express to win. I thought it was Same. either going to be the Bucks or Red Dragon. So that was a surprise. But I had no problem with it. All It was awesome. Great, great tag match. What did you think, Josh? It was, it was exactly what it needed to be. I thought Red Dragon looked pretty amazing in the match. I thought especially yeah. Luchasaurus looked really good in the match. Yeah. Part of it was because everyone was bumping crazy for him. But 
Yeah. Um, he definitely looked better than he had in a while. Sometimes you can tell that he's not feeling it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like he's either hurt or he's sluggish or something. Um, that was not the case. Like, and everyone brought it. And because everyone brought it. And of course, like they always do, they made, you know, they made Jungle Boy look amazing in that match. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's, that's how you book a guy that you have hopes to be a bigger star is you make him look amazing. Um, even if they had lost, he would have looked amazing like they always do when, but, um, thought the match was really good. Really liked it. Um, a lot of just like, like it just kept going and I was like, okay, this can't get any better. And it just kept getting better. Like this was your typical, just like indie style match. And like, like you were saying, um, you know, the, the bucks don't get enough credit. I think a lot, but I, I have come up with the opinion probably in the last year. I don't think a lot of like, even like historians um, give enough credit to like the early 2000, probably 2000, 2010 Indies in the U S so influential, so much like important stuff happened. Um, You know, you wouldn't have anything that you would have in pro wrestling right now, if it was not for that, because you basically had WWE, you had, and you had TNA and TNA didn't know how to use their talent. And 100%. WWE was being WWE and it had a yep. very narrow minded of what a star was. And if you did not fit that mold, well, where are you going to go? And that's where a lot of these people went. And I think that, I think punk, I think that that hurts punk when you talk of like, like hall of fame type status, I think it hurts punk. I think next year when, when the bucks go into the observer hall of fame, people are going to lose their minds. Um, <laughs> complete chaos for like a week. Because people are going to, you know, you, I can already see everything that's going to happen. But um, as far as that, but, um, you know, I just don't, th- I think a lot of those guys don't get enough credit. I think Punk doesn't get enough credit for it. I don't think Joe gets enough credit for it. Um, um, the Bucks probably don't get enough credit for it, uh, for just how important, like, that stuff was and how influential it was and, and really, like, bringing wrestling kind of forward a lot. Um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's, that, that's like, but you also have red dragon, which is also an amazing tag team and you have jungle, you know, you have Lucha express, which is like this great tag team because jungle boy is a great, you know, a great face in peril. And then you have, you know, Luchasaurus, you can just go out there and just like have the hot tag. So it's, it was, it was a a great match. I can see people just loving it. So, Yeah. yeah. I loved it. It was like watching like a like a PWG, just like yeah. just people just going out there and going crazy, just high spots and everything you think of, and all the teams matched great. Um, I really thought Red Dragon was going to win when they hit the uh, like they you heard like the high lower the chase and the dragon maybe more, maybe both, but I was like at one point I really thought like they were going to win, and then the match like went on for a few more minutes and they like they were just hitting everything, and I love Jurassic Express's finisher where Luchasaurus like throws dudes up in the air and the jungle boy comes down with that power bomb. Like it's that's yeah. such a great move. Um, so yeah, I, there's not much more I can really add. Like I thought it was a, I just thought it was a fantastic uh, tag team match. And, you know, there, I don't want to, I don't want to shoot ahead, but there was, a, there's other stuff I'm looking forward to talking about here, but, um, but really like, bad. but like right now at the show, you've had that crazy, um, uh, three-on-three match, right? And then you have a, a all-Japan-type match, and then you have, like, a PWG spot-fest tag team match, 
and then you're going into a ladder match, right? Yeah. Like awesome. it's just like wow, you know, like we're mm. we're taking you all over the place, right? Um, and with the ladder match, I thought uh, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. There was some really innovative stuff in there that I had never seen before. The Orange Cassidy spot was incredible. That was like, my that spot was so at like smart. the whole night. That was so funny. Like how he just. Yeah found himself in that position and just well and the, the, the one the, the one that started the match where you had like the pyramid of big guys and then he got on top of them to get yeah. the ring that was awesome yep. yeah so, like yeah that was that was definitely like they're like and, and i didn't expect keith lee to be taking a bump off the stage during that match you know what i mean like there were just a lot of things that happened that i thought were like wow that's smart and then like i really like how like Warlow jumped up on the ladder like it was nothing. Like he just looked like a million bucks. I really thought they did a good job of putting Warlow over. Um, and that that was so smart too, because then it leads in later on the night, right? So it it's just it's just so smart. I keep saying that all the time, but like it, I'm just used to watching a company that's moronic and doesn't mm-hmm. get it. And like when you watch a company that just gets it, you're just like, yes, that's what you do. Um so yeah, it was awesome, and 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 you can tell like the slow build on Wardlow is really working. Like this is a lot of people view it as the Batista Triple H type of of build, and and finally you know um, Triple H or Batista gives him the thumbs down or whatever. But um, I I just thought I thought this was a good match. It served its purpose, um, and and Wardlow looks like a million bucks right now. Yeah, yeah, and also it, it looks like they're gonna probably do a Will Hobbs and uh Keith Lee feud coming out of this match, too, which could be really good for both those guys. Um, what about so, a Dan Housen and Ricky Starks? That's dude, what I'm worried about. Dude, I'm no. worried about it. what are you talking about? Worried no, Dan Housen's the man, dude. No, no it's, it's no, it's, no. it's it, it, what I what I what's no. so funny to me about the Dan Housen character so far in AEW is is just the fact that he's coming out and like he's the only like, cursing people and. It's the funny thing is like you can't really prove that it is or isn't working because like every time he does it, yeah, like like something bad does happen to that person that he's doing that to. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I I liked everything about this ladder match, like and and I think Wardlow winning, like I it thought totally it was a very sense different type of ladder match. That yeah. was one thing I really liked about it because mm-hmm. I mean we've seen so many different ladder matches and this was a very different, especially since you had all those big guys in there. And they use that, like when they did the Hoss fights, it was just like, why can't WWE do this? Yep. This is like this is like the type of stuff that they should like they should excel at. And they just when you get two big guys and it's just like most boring stuff ever. And mm-hmm. you know they had four guys in there. Like I remember when when it looked like people were excited because they thought it, this match was going to be nothing but like a Hoss ladder match. Yeah, that's what I were, <laughs> which you know. AW could do and nobody would complain about it because they'd be like, oh, well, they got a bunch of good big guys. They could do this. But um, no, I loved it. I, I loved a lot of the innovative spots. Um, I'm amazed that the only guy that came out hurt was Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, and I people freak out about the Danhausen stuff, but I think he's being used almost perfect. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I think that He's interfering, but he's you can tell that at some point he's going to get his canuppins at some point from some big bad heel, and it's you know. So but I I yeah. I thought this match was for, for what it was and for the type of ladder match it was, 
I loved it because it was so different from what we usually see. And everything mm-hmm. made sense. Um, you know, Christian didn't kill himself. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Starks Ricky, Ricky, I say, Ricky Starks got power bombed at the end on that mm, on that yeah. ladder and like went like neck first. <laughs> like right. He's kind of just dropped him, and then Ricky was I think supposed to stretch out, and he just kind of folded up like a ball. Yeah. It was like yeah. It looked like he. Yeah. It looked like Ricky like start like fell back before. You know, before yeah. and so he kind of lost him on the way down, but yeah, yeah, that, that looked sick, and I was like, oh my god, that looks bad. But they, they said everyone was fine, so, um, but yeah, that that match was 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 just was was. I wish we could have more ladder matches like that than what we normally get, which just turn into like boring spot fests. So, yeah. oh yeah, I'm with you. What 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 was next? Was it Jaden and Jaden Conte? And I'll, uh, I'll just start it off. I'll start it off because everyone knows I'm a big Jade Cargill fan. Like, I am. I, I think she's a big star for the company's future. Like, I really do. This is proof that developmental is possible in front of other people. And without having to be stuck away for years and years and years and not know what to do with people. Like, Jade's been put in all these sink or swim situations. And is she the best wrestler in the world? No. But, like, you have to have the, the expectations of, like, she's really new to this. I think this was her best match. Years. Yeah, exactly. She had like her like the record on the screen, like that's all of her matches in her whole career. Like, like yeah. that's the 29 and 0. Like, that's all she's ever done. So I, I thought this was the best match of her career. Like, I actually really liked this for what it was. I thought it I thought it made Jade look good. I thought Conti helped make Jade look good as well, which was like a big part of like why I think she was put in the spot for this match to begin with. So, like, yeah, what did you guys think? I actually really liked it. Shout out to the Mortal Kombat gear. Yeah. That was dope. That was very cool. And I love that. I love I love in pay-per-views when they do stuff different like that. It just makes everything feel special and not as bland. It makes you not feel like you're watching a Rampage or a Dynamite. Like, you know you're watching something different. So, shout out to her. And plus, it made sense, right? Like, she's Jade Cargill. She was Jade from Mortal Kombat. And, and it's also like an... Like a shout out to the to the nerds out there that love this stuff that get all of it right and like WWE like what are you doing why are you wearing green you know they wouldn't get it and and, and her hair's been green too so that's been like a cool thing too so I thought that was cool um I don't really understand the kissing thing like I get it I mean we've seen that in the uh, one time with that one like what was it like a K one fight that that girl kissed the. Uh, Another girl during the weigh-in. I mean, Do you I, I don't remember know. Uh, Heath Herring. Remember, like he, he yeah. like knocked someone out right before a fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. He was so bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was there. I mean, I guess whatever. Um, that was kind of a, but that kind of took a weird like start to the match where people people are like, okay, do they like each other? What's going on? <laughs> um, other than that, no, it's pretty cool. Um, it's solid. I, I'm not like marking out over it or anything. I definitely think it was the the weakest match on the card. But I mean, that's no fault on her. It's just the card was so stacked. So, but but yeah, what's your thoughts, Josh? I, well, well, just real quick. Also, like I think it needs to be pointed out that they like this card. This whole card was so stacked, and given like the inexperience of Jade and like this match, and it only being a few minutes long. I think just the fact that people aren't coming out of the show being like this match sucked is like a big statement to like how well they did out there. Cause like people aren't, you know what I mean? They aren't highlighting this match saying it was bad when it would be very easy to, in comparison to like what was on that show. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were put in a bad spot. I mean, you look at what came before 
and now yep. here they are. Um, you know, I mean, I I love Ty Conte, but she's not the best because she's she's just a little bit less green than Jade is. Um, you know, she's improved amazingly well over the last year, but you know, she's not, you know, she's what she is too. And I thought the match was really good. Like of the three women's matches, I thought this was the best one on the show. That's not saying a lot, unfortunately, but it was the best women's match on the show. Um, I'll get to that later. Um, but this was, this, this was what needed to be. I mean, it wasn't long. They didn't, they didn't make them go out there too long and die which yep. which is good um i think one of the things that if you watch jade and hook both they're doing exactly what they need to do where yeah. they go out their matches aren't you know i mean if we see a 10 minute match out of them that that's something um but they're keeping their matches short they're letting them learn they're letting them get over um you know both are far you know i i would say hook is way more over than his push, but I would say that Jade is probably right now equal to on her push. But as far as experience go, to have two people that are that inexperienced be that over and that people are excited to see and see and be excited to see Excel, I think that's that says a lot. So yeah, I, I thought this was I thought they did a very adequate good job. Um, like I said, it was probably. Probably the the best of the three women's matches that were on this show. So there, hey, I agree with that. By the way, That's, I thought that was the best women's match of the show as well. Um, well, the next match was Punk and MJF, which we've already talked about at length, you know, here on the show. Um, yeah. But the match itself, you know, we'll just bring up. I mean, you know, we talked about everything kind of surrounding the match. I thought the match itself completely delivered as well. I mean, that was like you hear dog collar match, like that's. Like, I can't think of a better way they could have executed that. Like, it was pretty much perfect. Um, I'm not big on star ratings, but, like, if that's not a five-star match with everything, like, kind of included into it, I really don't know what is. Maybe there's a little thing you could critique here or there, but, like, w- would you say that's pretty much, like, a perfect match to, like, kind of close up, like, a perfect feud, Josh? I, the, only, the only thing I would say that people would probably critique about it, and it's not their fault, I don't think, because honestly, I got very pissed off at this crowd during yeah. the yeah. show. <laughs> it's, no. it's, it, it didn't necessarily start here; it had started earlier. Um, I felt, and this is no, this is this will sound bad, but I don't mean this in a bad way. This was a very WWE crowd in that they popped for some things, they set and were quiet for other things. Um, I think that's just to be expected as far as AW grows. You're probably going to get more crowds like that. Unfortunately, I don't like crowds like that. So at some point, much like Jr., I had to just like ignore the crowd and just enjoy the match. Um, but yeah, it was—I I would say it's near perfect. Um, the storytelling, what they did um, when you add in the Wardlow stuff at the end of the match, yeah, and the way they huge. did that, which was so like—I literally thought it was just going to be, oh my god, I forgot the ring. I didn't yep. expect him to find the ring, then lay it up there, and then give you know. Um, give punk the look like there it is <laughs> you know yep. use it um you know and i saw some people complain that oh why is he using the ring when he has the chain and i'm like it's the visual of him using the ring him the first time like this is all storytelling story. it's the whole <laughs> yeah. story of him using the ring um mm. you know i was like 
what really you're gonna complain about that and, and not um, just that like wardlow's had to do things to punk that you could tell he wasn't necessarily comfortable with during the build-up right power bomb him again power bomb him again power and like hit him with this hit him with that and there was hesitation every single time and then finally he was able to just be like you know what there you go punk i'm sorry you go ahead and take right. care of max you know this, and like was, that was just so smart this would be yeah i i love this match i was i was like oh this is so good and the fans were just setting on their hands and i was getting yeah. so upset uh-huh. so yeah the wardlow thing helped the crowd it really yes. woke them up when they saw that then they were like oh okay but like during the match i do think the dog collar match also is 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 kind of old school and i do think it does take some you know your diehard fans to really appreciate what's going on in there and i and i feel like that they just kind of got lost in there and they just were kind of in the zone of just like, okay, what's going to happen, you know? And then there, they did bring out thumbtacks and stuff like that. So it did help escalate it. MJF taking a thumbtack bump also, but, but yeah, I wish the crowd was more into this match. I also think too, and this is just going to happen in AEW, like the crowds are going to die in certain points just because they're seeing so much and they're giving out so much. I mean, it's just banger after banger after banger. And then like you, you bring him to another banger and it's going to be like, Oh, okay. Let's see what I got left. You know what I mean? Like you, you really have to be almost trained to go to these shows and really pull off what they want you to pull off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also real quick. Cause you brought up Jr. Uh, Josh, I don't know if y'all oh. caught this because we like to talk about Jr. every now and then on the show. And this is all <laughs> I'll say about him. Um, the literally the opening of the pay-per-view he's like, Welcome everybody to AEW Revolution. We're here in where are we, Tony? (laughs) (laughs) See, the thing is, is like stuff like that doesn't bother me. It's when he just like doesn't give a crap about the matches that he's watching. And he's or how about when Swerve comes out? If you don't care, just sit there and be quiet (laughs) and let and let Tony and Excalibur call the match and you can just sit there and be quiet and hate on the match but your little side comments don't help sword comes out sword comes out and he's like oh he's just gonna sign his contract without even reading it is that necessary (laughs) is that necessary he's already been brought in like this is just basically like just for the public but he's already read the damn contract like why are you trying to make him look bad at that moment? And there's just always, man, folks, there's so many people in the ring. And blah, blah. like, he is a liability at this point. In my opinion. Like, I just think, I think he hurts this show. I think that he, we need somebody that really cares about AEW that comes off as excited about what they're seeing. And he's just like, who we got? Okay, this should be good. You know, well, like, the thing is about AEW is they already have that in their commentary. They just don't also need JR. Like they are like so it's, fine. it's like it's all good, like without him there well, already. Well, JR is also a time warner thing. That's the right, other part sure. of it. Is they want, but I think that at this point you've gotten past the point of needing him or right. or feeling that you need that crutch of him. Um, I think he's much better at you know, the set down interviews yep. that you could have him do, you know, once every other show. Um, I think that's a better, better spot for him. Um, and, you know, because he, he just doesn't care. 
and that's the he and, he, and he it's it's and I don't fault him for this. It's not his type of wrestling. So right. and and that's that's part of the problem. He is and much more Jim Cornette than a lot of people know. Uh-huh. Like that's more his style. He has right. that same type yeah. of philosophy as a Cornette. I, mean, he, I think I think he's not Jim Cornette in the sense that he sees, hey, this works. And if you ever notice, if the crowd is like super hot, JR yeah. magically gets like a thousand times better. Like right. he feeds off the crowd. You can tell he feeds off the crowd. At, yeah. But at the same time, he I think I think there's a part of him that's like can't get over like some of the booking and so, yep. some of the legitimate faults of of AEW. I don't I think he sees them and I don't think he can help himself not to point them out, which is the problem. I think right. instead of doing what he should be doing, which is either ignoring them or trying to explain the problems away. Um, and he just doesn't do that, but yeah, I mean, I but this like was probably the first show where I was just like, "Will you please?" Uh, Usually, I can withstand Jr. I couldn't even. I was just like, I was so mad. Uh, Shivani, he comes across as a guy that absolutely loves his job, that absolutely loves being there, and he's just as happy. Like, like it just sounds the same as the guy from WCW. Honestly, like he's he's just right. and, and so and there's no drop off there. I mean, Jim Ross just sounds like he just woke up from a 12 hour hangover and he has to come to work. Like, it's just, it's and just like, dude, you if have you Rick and Bonnie at your disposal now. Yeah. It was right. a thousand times better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Probably be a thousand times better with that three man crew too. Um, so there you go. Yeah. And, but, Bye-bye, Jim Ross. So the, the moment that that's done, I will be a very happy man. I'm not saying fire him from AEW. Give him another job somewhere else, but the commentating thing is over. Anyways, what was next? So next, I think well, – I, I could tell that Josh has, has thoughts on this. He's been alluding to it all show. So we have Britt Baker, DMD, defending <laughs> the AEW Women's Championship against Thunder Rosa. Now, I'll just say quickly before I throw it to Josh – just to, to preface what what I I have a feeling I have an an idea of kind of where you're probably going to go with some of this. Um, I think a lot of people are upset that this went on after MJF and CM Punk, but I think a lot of people are mad about it for the wrong reason. I think the match didn't live up to people's expectations, and I think they weren't happy with the finish. And I think they're using the excuse of like. You're throwing the women on right after, so like you're giving them like it's gonna. You're putting them in a spot to fail, but it's also like I think you would run into the same issue if like the Sting match what was match right after. Gonna, what are you gonna What are you gonna put? What match are you gonna put it after? Exactly, because like you on this show, like you had to deliver, like just straight up every. Because we're even sitting here going Jade Cargo and Ty Conti for our expectations, they delivered. So like that. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I see a lot of people saying it's AEW being sexist to a degree and all this stuff and not caring about their women but i'm like i don't think it would have mattered where you put that on the show i think it would have it would have been the same the fans would have been upset i think i think they're just looking for reasons to be more upset about it if i'm being honest yeah here's my thing with this match the the, the people that run the stopwatches they get mad at aw and keep saying we need more women's matches this is this pay-per-view is why we don't need more women's matches why you need to keep them to a limit because the division is still not strong. It is, it is the weakest part. It was going to be the weakest part when the company started. It's why they originally brought in the Japanese women 
was because they knew they couldn't get any uh anybody from from the UK, Canada, or the United States because WWE had signed them all, especially the women. They had signed pretty much all the top women that were not already under WWE contract. And so now, you know, there are some of those women that I imagine they will be brought in. There's no question about that in my mind. This match, like, I thought Britt looked really bad in this match. It looked like she 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 played to the crowd, but she didn't want to be there um, a lot. And, I, I, and that might be because they're planning on doing the match later down the line. So, but if that's the case, then the match didn't need to go that long. It needed to go, like, 10 minutes at max. Um, you know, and then we got the New Japan, you know, interference that just this. Here's the thing. You have a very smart fan base. The very smart fan base doesn't want to see the New Japan crap. They don't. They're sick of it. They're sick of it in New Japan. So why do you think they want to see it in AEW? Um, You're talking about like I think sometimes I think sometimes Tony doesn't get that, but. This was this show definitely showed of why let's keep the women to a minimum so that you can. I imagine in six months we're not going to have this problem because I think I, I honestly think you're going to have enough women that are really good that you can just throw them out there and they'll have because we've seen them have you know, Riho and and Serena Deeb could have been on this pay per view and would have been fine on this pay per view. You could put them after any match on this pay per view and would have been absolutely fine. Um, but this match just was not good. And I get that they were probably building to a match farther down the line, but if that's the case, then this didn't, you know, what did it go? 17 minutes or something like that. I mean, this seemed to go on forever. Yeah. Um, I also feel like if if this was built just to put the title on Thunder Rosa, like a few weeks from now in Texas, which is what it seems like this was meant to do. Like they could have easily just like had Britt Baker, just beat another woman on this show in a shorter match and then just done the Thunder Rosa. Cause I think a lot of people were just upset that Thunder Rosa lost also just right. like in general. So I think it's kind a of a giant miss all the way around. I think, I think a couple of things. One, the expectations for this match was through the roof based on their previous lights yeah. out match. Right. And they're not going to be able to do that without having the gimmick. Right. If it's just going to be a straight wrestling match, they're not going to have that type of match. Um, Two, I don't think Britt's been in the ring much at all in a singles match. Like, it's been, like, probably a good four months that she's maybe had, like, maybe three, maybe four singles matches total. So I think she's just rusty. I don't think she's really been in there for a while. And I also think that they did a pretty poor job in the buildup. So I don't think that people were necessarily that into it in the first place. Like, I felt like the same thing with Adam Page and Adam Cole. But Adam Page and Adam Cole have the ability to go out there and have like match of the year type candidate. You know, I don't think they do unless they have a certain type of gimmick or something that works for them. Um, one question I have, Josh, and this really bugs me that I've always like noticed this universally. It's like whenever you're going into a pay per view, the person that gets the shine in the very like last segment that you see on TV is the one that usually will not win. And it's like, why is it that clear cut and dry? The moment that I saw Britt Baker um, pin 
or Thunder Rosa pinned Britt Baker in the tag match, I was like, oh, Britt's going to win. Like it, it's just it's just that way, and it's always been that way. Like F, that's like WWE to a T. Like if they're gonna put somebody, like if Brock and Roman are facing each other, right, and then Brock beats the crap out of Roman, and and that's it. Then that means Roman's winning on paper. It's a like very has that always been that way. Yeah, it's a like like in New Japan how they do it is they'll do the multi man like tags and stuff, and then. Like the challenger will 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 pin the champion in the tag match. Usually that's that. Now the difference is 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 especially when New Japan was really good. Then the champion, then the challenger sometimes would still beat the champion, or yeah. vice versa. So if you mix it up a little bit to where you're you're, it's still a trope and it's still like m- mostly what you just said is going to happen, where the person with the shine going in is the one that's going to end up losing. So that it kind of gives them something, um, yeah. but you do need to like mix it up a little bit so that it's not always a hundred percent that way because then it does get tropey and you're like, eh, we know what's going to happen now. So right. yeah, like I was shocked when Thunder Rosa beat her in the tag match. I was absolutely amazed. Yep. Um, I was also amazed that we didn't get um, Martinez and Hater on this show um in place of on in, in place of Statlander and Hirsch. Um yeah. I thought that would be a better match on that show and made more sense um because I think that even though it hasn't been built up a lot, I think people would have wanted to see that more. I think the Hirsch and Statlander thing has been kind of like not handled well. Um and that's now no disrespect to them, but I think that would have been a better match. Um yeah. but yeah I I, I it's it is it it is one of those wrestling tropes that's a wrestling trope that you just yeah like if you're new to wrestling and and you're you're wondering <laughs> who's gonna win on pay per view or whatever like pay attention to the build up right before pay per view and you'll see pretty much who's gonna win on these things like that it's just it's just like a dead giveaway and I don't know why they constantly use it like you got to mix it up you know what well, I mean the idea is that you're giving the guy that's gonna lose or the the woman or whoever going to lose some shine so that yep. they don't come out completely buried you know right which that's the idea like i like, get it but, but, but i, no, I just don't can't think do it's, it all it's the time and unfortunately you get in that habit yeah. of oh we'll just do this instead of saying oh we'll do this and then this time we'll let this person win so yeah. i will say this though i do think that overall the story of britain thunder rose is going to be smart because it's going to be the year anniversary to the lights out match it's going to be a St. Patrick's Day massive Valentine. I don't remember what it's called, St. Patrick's Day something. But that was the exact same event that the Lights Out match took place. It's going to be in Thunder Rosa's hometown. It will likely be like a steel cage match or something to where there won't be interference because there's constantly interference. So, like, technically the story overall is book smart. It's going to have a good ending and all that. But I just felt like this pay-per-view shouldn't have been – a way to finish off a feud on dynamite in like three weeks. You know what I mean? Like it just feels a little weird, but whatever. Like I said, I, I think if it had gone like 10 minutes, I don't think people would have been as mad. I think people would yeah. have been like, oh, it went 10 minutes and we're going and, and we're, on we're, the we're next. going on. Yeah. 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 Also, we, 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 we like talking about giveaways just really quick. I'll bring this up. I talked about it a lot last week, but it was funny 
seeing a lot of the response of people realizing or like after I said it, even the whole like the the MJF and CM Punk stuff, how they were all wearing all white. And I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of blood here in a second. Like, like, you know what I mean? And that's like those those kind of same kind of things where like you watch it long enough, you see these giveaways, the foreshadowing yep. right in front of you. So, yep, um, definitely. What was the next match, Steven? The next one was the uh, the crazy Sting, Darby, and Sammy. No, it was the, no, it was uh, Daniel. Oh, and sorry, Moxley. sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Daniel said Moxley was next, which we did. We ta- we talked about already uh, on the show, but um, but yeah, just to reiterate a little bit, I thought the match was like this was another one where you could say like it was match of the night, and I wouldn't argue you. Um, like this was so yeah. good, depending on what you like in wrestling, and the we- Regal got a massive pop. I mean, yeah. that was. That was awesome. Um, I felt like the crowd was a little dead on this one, too. Like, I felt like this one was a really good match that the crowd died a little bit on, too. But it was a really good stiff style match. And honestly, I think it was like a perfect match for Moxley, you know, coming back from the long layoff and everything to be able to really go out there and wrestle with Danielson. I thought that that was really good. Um, I liked I liked the story, the whole the whole fight club idea. Very curious to see what their faction's going to be like. It was funny because I was watching the post presser and Tony Khan was talking about how Danielson told him that Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta had a one hour long uh, match that for that independent wrestling title. It was or IWTV 100 was the show. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just funny that like Danielson found out about it. And he went to go watch it. You know what I mean? Like so he's awesome. totally into that. And then I think now his eyes have opened on Wheeler Yuta. Like, whoa. We could we could we could do something with this kid, you know what I mean? So I mean, like the idea of Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia, and Lee Moriarty. I mean, that is like the perfect group to take on from like the future generation of independent wrestling. Like, uh, I I really am looking forward to this group and what what they're gonna do. I, I the the end of this match was so like absolutely perfect. And like you were saying, like the fan, because the fans like got really excited because it was real. He got in the ring. Then they got like even more excited. And then he slaps Moxley and they were like, oh, uh-huh. and then they were kind of like, OK, what's going on here? And then he then they he slaps Danielson and then they really started freaking out. And then they freaked out more when they did the handshake. So it was like, you know, the fans saw what was going on and it was really like it was so like as somebody that's watched William Regal for like ever. It was just, it was so perfect. And, and I am looking, I'm looking so forward to see like where this goes. That's probably for dynamite. That's probably like the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. So. Yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was hilarious too, that uh, I saw Brian Alvarez tweeting like 1 million stars. Like, while wow, this is like, yeah. while this is going <laughs> on, it's like, it's like, this is so <laughs> like, just, this is the kind of stuff like we were saying, this is like tailor made to like us as like longtime fans of like, professional wrestling like this is yeah i and i can't didn't know what was yeah. going on i mean excalibur was like hey you know this is an important guy to both of these people yes you know and and i love the fact that danielson like this is how great he is like when when he slaps moxley he has that like little kid look on his face he's like yeah yep. yeah you know yeah. and then when he gets slapped he has the other little kid like what just happened why did dad just hit me no. Not only that, he's like, Dad! He's like, has his arms out like a hug and he slaps him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. That was awesome. And and also, 
really puts over Regal, right? Because we yeah. already know that Moxley and Danielson are badasses. And then they're like, wow, like this guy we bow to. You know what I mean? You know, it kind of reminds me of, honestly, I don't know if you've ever heard Tyson Fury's dad, but Regal now to me has that like presence of like Tyson Fury's dad. Like Tyson Fury is the most like badass boxer, right? But like his dad is like the ultimate, like everyone respects and Ooh, nobody messes with. And I could, perfect. I don't know much about Tyson Fury's dad, but that sounds like Habib's dad a lot. Yeah, imagine like Habib's dad, but like not humble and just like Tyson Fury is. Oh, like, okay, I gotcha. Okay, like I gotcha. that—that's him. Like he's okay. awesome. I gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're all in agreement. Like that all, all, everything about that whole thing just totally ruled with the match and with Regal. I mean, awesome stuff. Once again, just like top tier pro wrestling type stuff. After that, we had Sting, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allen defeating Andrade. Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Um, the two main highlights for this match, at least for me, was the Spanish fly by Sammy on Isaiah um, off the entrance. Uh, that was insane. And then, of yeah. course, Sting jumping off the balcony through all the tables, which I literally, I was watching with a couple of friends and I jumped up off of my couch and like was like running around, just like marking out like I was, eight years old watching sting on non tbs like i i couldn't believe what i was seeing so um, i was thinking to myself like dude if jeff hardy is to debut this would be the moment right here they stack the tables and then jeff hardy was going to do like the swan time like almost like the madison square garden uh bump that he would do whenever he was in this venue so that's what I was thinking. And then when and then when it was Matt Hardy, I was like, dude, you're gonna die. Like you're barely <laughs> able to walk and you're about to take this crazy bump. And then it was like, oh, it's gonna be Sting. <laughs> like, what? The best the best is the camera's like right up on him, and like he's in the crowd and he's like looking around at the crowd. They're like, do it. He's like, Yeah, <laughs> all right, like, <laughs> there we go. And then like Andrade's just like Okay, you know, like that was dope. I I loved it, and I, it's like, man, I just when when Sting showed up and winter is uh, winter is coming or whatever. Like, I would have never thought that he would have like all these matches and just it's it's just so cool. And and it's like less is more with him, right? Like, it's just you use him on just certain spots. And I feel like WWE is so bad at that. Like they, like once they find something that they like, they just want to use it over and over and over and over again. It gets so stale so quick. And like with, with him, it's just certain spots. It looks like he'll probably have a match. Every pay-per-view is kind of where it's trending or at least something around that. So, um, and I do think it also helps with his like age that he has face paint. So it doesn't, it's not taking you away from the moment where you're just like, oh man, he looks really old. Like you can't really tell, you know. So yeah, I mean that the, the moment, the hair, the hair and, sure. and the wearing the t-shirt, you know. But but you know the t-shirt he can get away with. I mean, it's like the guy's in his sixties, like. But the hair, so I mean, I've yeah, got he needs, over to, it, he needs but... to like do a whole thing of hairspray. Because yeah, the yeah. hair on this match, yep. I was like. I mean, he uh, looks rough when he's had those matches. He's just like, it's like I, face paints all his hairs all. Yeah, but it almost kind of adds to it because, like, when you think about it, like when I think of Sting, the first thing I think of is like 
1997 version. Although, you know, I was a fan. I got into wrestling, like, uh, probably around, like, 93, 94. So, like, I had a couple good years of, like, staying in, like, the colored face paint before we turned. But I always remember, like, the this like that 1997 version of Sting. And when you think about who that was and think that now, like, all these years later, like, that's the same human being. But he's just gone batshit insane. And, like, he's, like, yeah. just out there just 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 doing it and part of it's probably out of spite for what happened in the WWE if I'm being honest like part of it has to be like I had my run there and they didn't do anything with me and I was mistreated and like I had all this to give to wrestling still and he's out of here I think I think it's that and I also think when you're in a company full of such great wrestlers and guys that are just constantly like one-upping each other it puts you in a in a mode to where like you're probably willing to do things that you probably weren't going to be willing to do before, you know? And, and I, and I feel like he's just his competitive juices or he's seeing all these guys, he's seeing Sammy do that Spanish fly, you know? And he's just like the hell with it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I, I just think that it's so different. <laughs> right. Right. And he even said, and this is a weird thing too. And, and I guess we can kind of answer the super chat question, but he even said that Cody was a big reason why he came back to the ring and Cody texted him this, that morning and said it's showtime, you know? So like Cody's still paying attention to what's going on. So, and then this says right here, have any, uh, Vincent Valentine, thanks for the super chat. I appreciate it. Have any of your thoughts changed about where Cody might end up? Um, I, I my Cody radar. Yeah. is I feel like he's going to the WWE. I've changed my mind and my course, and I feel like he's going to the WWE. Right. So where are you at, Stephen? I, I, I'll, I'll keep this short and sweet because I've talked at nauseum about Cody Rhodes. But I I say if he doesn't show up in Jacksonville, he's not going to the WWE. The Raw's in yeah. Jacksonville this week. If he's showing up, it's going to be before WrestleMania. It's not going to be after WrestleMania. Jacksonville makes the most sense because then WWE can feel like they got like a real W over over AEW because like they did it in like they're on their home turf and the fans will really yeah. respond to it because there's a lot of the same fans probably and stuff like that. But I don't I think if he doesn't show up this Monday, like he's going back to AEW I, I, or, or or Ring of Honor, whatever however you look at it. Like I think he's going back um if, if he doesn't show up on on Raw this Monday. I really do. I, I, I kind of agree. I, I you know I, I figured that WWE was just gonna throw as much money as they could at him and be yeah. like because we have to have a win. Um, right. but now like I'm eh, but I still think that's probably the place he goes. Yeah. Um I would be shocked if he goes back to AEW kind of really. I mean I, I really would. Um I mean he's got other things he can do too. I mean that's the other thing. Yeah. Um so so there's that, but I, I, I at this point I think I, he would be it'd be kind of shocking if he went back, um, and I think that also if he went back I, I I think that says a lot about WWE too, um, that something happened where they could not get him because it's very evident that you know it was well I can get more money here I, I'm you know let 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 me see what's kind of going on over here and. You would think that I would think that they would feel like they need a win, um, and because because if they don't get a win here, I, you know, and the other win was going to be maybe maybe uh, 
Brian Cage, but WWE's never seemed interested in Brian Cage. That's the only other major guy that seems that might want to leave. Um, and he got resigned, so you know, which is the weirdest so it, thing in it, the world. Really but weird. I, yeah. I don't get that one, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I I feel like Jacksonville's a good date for him to show up. I also feel like. Uh, Seth Rollins needs a WrestleMania yeah. opponent, and he just kind of separated himself with Kevin Owens now because Kevin Owens is Boston. So if Seth Rollins finds a WrestleMania opponent and Cody Rhodes doesn't show up, then, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I don't know if Cody would go back to the AEW either. And and honestly, like, it, it, it's like AEW is just fine without him. And and I, and I if he's not happy there and, – and like we were talking about the vision – of what AEW was at the beginning, like it's now changed so much and it's just not what he thought it would be. So I, I get that as well. Um, but you know, if he wants to come back, I'm all for it. Cause I'm a fan of Cody, but, but if he's, if he's done, then it is what it is and we'll move on. Yeah. One also kind of to piggyback what Josh was saying about like them needing a W um, but AEW to be needing a W over AEW is yeah. that uh, like, cause Cody isn't, he's also the key to like long-term maybe getting people like Jade and MJF and like, the, you know what I mean? Like if you can get Cody and now you have this in with all the guys and girls that like he trained and stuff or had a hand in their early career. So it's like, he'd be kind of the pipeline to like getting stars AEW is it can make on their TV and then they can kind of poach from AEW and, you know, to kind of fight back over, over time, you know, in the next few years. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are like, he's going to show up the night after WrestleMania. And I'm like, why would they do that? Like you're trying, yeah, to, I don't get that either. Like, you're trying to get 200,000 seats sold in, in WrestleMania. Like you got to pull out. No, right. No. But, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, you're not getting a match out of Austin. Like everyone thought, like you, like if you don't deliver Cody at this point either, like, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to rub it in, Doug. I know you already got tickets for this thing. So, um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. and then, uh, well, I still have last, time to sell. The, uh, the last match on the show, of course, was the main event Hangman Adam Page retaining the AW World Championship over Adam Cole. Um, yeah, I thought this was a really, really good match. Like, like, yeah, I, I, you know, they, they killed it. Hangman has nothing but bangers. People can have their opinions on like, if, if his title run has like you know reached their expectations of what they were hoping after such a long build and all that or whatever. But one thing that I think is unanimous is he's having great matches every time he defends the title. So um, I'm a fan of what he's doing with the belt and I've, I've really liked the title run. Um, what about you, Josh? Um, I think people forget because they, they, they don't remember that when Kenny won the title that for a long time, people felt like Kenny wasn't doing anything with the title. I think people forget that. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, like literally like the argument can be made, like the best champion you have had is Moxley. Um, you know, Jericho was, was, was great for what he was, but it wasn't like a super strong, you know, title reign either. Um, he was just great as champion. And then I think Kenny was kind of the same way. And then I think as we got further along, I think the greatness of Kenny started kind of coming through more. Um, but I, I, so I'm not worried about like that part of it. I think eventually he, I think they are going to 
and I think this is super smart. I think they're going to take the belt off of him when he peaks so that then he doesn't have to be champion to be that over. I think that's the idea. So yeah, I think that's when he'll probably end up losing. But um, I thought this match was great. Um, it was actually mm-hmm. probably a little better than I thought it was going to because I was like kind of like everybody else was kind of really not. I thought the build was okay, but I think I I, I think the problem was is I think I, I don't think they've done horrible with uh, Adam Cole. I think that it's just been kind of slow and and because he's with the elite, he's going to be within that elite stuff, and that doesn't always the elite stuff doesn't always hit especially like the the comedy stuff and the, the BTE stuff. It doesn't always hit with everybody. And I think people yeah. forget that. Um, so personally, I think you probably like six months from now, this match probably would have been a better place. But six months from now, we don't know if if what the plans are either. Right. Um, so I think this was but, uh, you know, both guys always have really great matches. I thought the match was was was, was really good. I thought that seeing kind of a another side of of uh, Adam Page was 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 a good little twist for maybe something farther down the line um so I thought that was good I, I I thought there was a lot of good stuff in here that set up probably other things down the line um because have you have, do you guys watch BTE at all oh yeah I watch yeah. every app so yeah. so so did you see the thing where they were like hey here's your jacket to the young bucks, yeah, and it wasn't their jacket. It was yep. So see, they're setting up all sorts of, yep, all sorts of stuff. That- Not only that, did you see when the Dark Order was coming to help out Hangman, yeah. and he pushed Reynolds right. away. He pushed right. him away, yeah. and then they asked about it at the post presser, and he was just like, "Yeah, I need to have a conversation with those guys." But it kind of seems like he's trying to reconcile with the Bucks and leave the dark order and so it could possibly be like a hangman bucks versus adam cole red dragon feud and see this is another thing that i think hangman i think timing was a lot of this was off right i think when hangman left when he had the bit when his wife had the baby it affected timing people were really into the kenny hangman feud and then CM Punk debuted while he was away and then you had to be like oh okay well Hangman's back and then we've got to do this so then he wins the belt so the momentum isn't there as a champion in my opinion and then it's off to facing Brian Danielson who people are so excited to have an AEW that it's like well we want Brian Danielson to be champion but then it's like nope Hangman's gonna win and he also hadn't been on TV that much, right? Like he just, he's only had what four matches as a champion so far. I mean, so I, I think that that's also been part of the there. And then I also think the timing of Kenny Omega's injury thinking that he possibly could have came back sooner. And then they kind of had to pivot and go with Adam Cole. So there's just a lot there that it, it kind of affected him. But I mean, overall, and this goes into our super chat says uh how would uh appreciate michael young um how would you guys rank on a scale from one to ten hangman's overall run as a champion including promos and in-ring matches i'm i'm at like a seven and a half or an eight something like that because his matches have been so good i mean really great matches i mean the promos have been really good it's just i think just not a lot 
Right. It's just not a lot. And but I mean that is kind of how they also book their champions is that yeah. you're not gonna they're not gonna necessarily I think that's good for him. And like I said, I think when he peaks is when they're gonna take the title off of him. And that way he doesn't necessarily need the title. Now, who beats him for the title, there's no telling. But um it looked like they were setting up uh, you know, punk versus versus him for yep. the next his next feud. Now will that yep. be will that be at you know double or nothing or they will they do it before? Who knows? Um, but that's you know that'll be an insane match as well as far as like the hype. So because you know you know Punk will make sure that that will be well, and I feel like Punk's stock has really right. risen after this pay per view, yeah. and so I feel like this would be the time. And and like I I I told Stephen, in my opinion was. You only have Punk for so long. So is he is he in your plans to be champion or not? Because if he is, then you're going to have to pull the trigger somewhat soon. And same with Brian Danielson. Because everybody's wanting MJF, MJF, MJF. And I get it. But that's why MJF is facing Wardlow. They're trying right. to delay that because they do have guys that are only going to be there for so long. And if they're going to get a title reign or whatever – this would be close to the time. So if that's the case and Punk is facing Adam Page at double or nothing, um, I think it's possible that Punk could win. Yeah, I think it's possible as well. I, I think that AEW's done a really good job with Hangman as far as like making it the, the perception of him, like he he comes across like a world champion. He he looks like he is one of the top guys in the company. And as far as taking somebody who like hadn't been a world champion anywhere else before all this and like elevating him to a level where he is a believable, like he is the world champion. In my opinion, he holds the, this is my opinion, but I think the AEW world title is the most prestigious world championship in all of wrestling right now. And like, he's the one who holds it and he's having banger matches. Everyone understands the gimmick and the character and everything he's about. And I think that uh, I'm definitely team MJF. Like I want to see MJF as the champion, but I think it'd be pretty damn incredible if like, if Punk beat Hangman for the title, I'd be okay with that given how great Punk has has been since his return. But if they can, if, if Punk will pull the trigger on a heel turn, like if he'll really go deep into like him being a heel, I think it would be the craziest, most awesome end to this MJF and Punk story. If, because we know Punk can be the biggest dick heel in the world if he wants to be. And if the, if Punk will go all the way with that, and like a year from now, he's like the AEW champion, he's this heel, and like we can't get rid of him, and people are, screw this guy. And we have to turn to MJF to get rid of CM Punk. Like he's the one guy who can out-dick the dick CM Punk. And like, he that's him getting the big, because they'd be they're one and one right now, technically two and one if you ask MJF but I think this could even everything I, I think this might not even been the end of it because like I think at the end of the day MJF could be the one to beat CM Punk to become the world champion and at that point I think people are gonna like really be fiending to see to see MJF with the belt so um and, and to your point Josh with with Hangman I think it's I think it's important to take the title off him as he is peaking or or is at his peak because that is a concern for him is he had the, the the tag titles, but mainly his entire AEW run has been one long story about him becoming the AEW World Champion. So when he loses that title, then what does he really have to to really strive for? 
but he won't need the title if he's really, really over, which he is. And he's kind of getting to that level. Like not I, I, I think belt, people so. forget that, you know, he was the guy, you know, he was the guy in the elite that was just above Flip Gordon. Yes. I mean, people forget yeah. that. He had to change his name to Hangman because Adam Cole joined the the Bullet Club. He was like, there's another Adam. I got to do something so people don't think they're talking about Adam Cole every time Adam gets brought up. Right. Right. So so I think people forget that, that since the start, we've seen this this, where he's turned into, you know, a really big thing. And he's he is literally the biggest homegrown star they have. So, yeah, I I I absolutely 100 percent agree with all that. So. Man, yeah, it's gonna it's show. gonna be interesting. How would you how would you rate uh, his his title reign so far, Stephen? Uh, I'm I'm with you guys. Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah, like it's seven and a half, eight. Like I think that's a perfect um, and that's a like a really good score, by the way. Like I wouldn't like that's yeah, like that's, like, a, that's mean, a tough eight out of ten. I, I didn't expect his reign to be like a oh my god reign. I expected it to yeah. be a good reign because right. he's not that type of guy yet. So you know, it's not. Brian Danielson having that title. It's not Mox having that title. It's it's you know the the your first homegrown star having that title. So yeah. And yeah. I thought it was interesting too that like Tony was saying that he feels like when Kenny Omega comes back, then the trios titles would be introduced. So like, are they planning on the elite being the trios tag team? And is that gonna keep Kenny away from like singles matches and i don't i don't know i don't i don't know what what their plans are um and then like i said when new japan starts to become a factor and and all that stuff uh i guess uh just a question to wrap this part up is uh if you guys just in the future the kind of the way the storylines are going and all what what are some of the things that you want to see happen i want to see mox and danielson win the tag titles Okay. I think I think that's that I think I think the whole purpose of doing this is to keep them away from from you know the, the team yeah. title yeah. and the and the and the world. Especially I could see um I could see Daniels to be like, I have to wrestle a dinosaur? Are you kidding me? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and I, I expect that to be at double or nothing. Um yeah. and really like and then the whole, you know. Uh, Bucks, Red Dragon, uh, Adam Page, and then and then Adam Cole stuff. I, I think that's going to be even farther down the line. I think we'll get the the Adam Cole stuff first, but I think that's all going to be intertwined. And then when and then I think when uh, when Kenny comes back, that's that's when we'll get Jay White back, and that's going to yeah. add a whole different dynamic to that whole thing. So. Kenny, Kenny also with with him coming back, he has to acknowledge that the Bucks like kind of helped Adam Page win that title. Like I hope that they don't just ignore that and he just comes back and it's all hunky dory. Like that that story needs to be visited and go there. They, they surely will. I mean, there's no way that like they're like it's AEW. Like that, that everything no, I, they're doing I, I, is for a reason. I, I get that. I just know that so much time has passed, and you don't want it to be like a one-line on ex- explanation, right? Of like, yeah, like, hey, right. <laughs> that needs to be a focus. Like that was a, a key part. And even Kenny said before he left, like I haven't rewatched the match back yet. Like we need something there. And I love that Don Callis was at the pre-show. By the way, that was fantastic. Came out to Kenny Omega's music and everything. Um, 
it, it, we're running pretty late, but I, I did want to get your thoughts on Ring of Honor being sold, Josh. As a longtime ROH fan, you know, you went to bat for ROH way back in the day. And uh, just like your overall thoughts on where what ended up happening to the company and now like what you envision Tony Khan to do with it. I, th- I think without a doubt, um, COVID killed ROH. Yeah. Because if you look right before COVID, they had so much stuff set up where I think it would have been really good. I think it would have been, I don't, it wouldn't have been AW, but they would have been far better off than what they wound up being. Um, right. And then like, if you go and you watch the CM Punk interview that he did after the pay-per-view talking about Tony buying it, it's pretty much exactly that. The fact that I'm so glad Vince didn't get it because I don't think Vince would get it. Um, yeah, I, I think he, I think all the best we would get would be clips whenever they did uh, documentaries. I don't think um, we might get the shows, maybe, but who knows how they'd be edited together. Um, Chops so up. That would be time. good. I mean, one of the one of the the things that Sinclair and I, I, I kind of get why they did is they didn't definitely didn't want to go back and re-edit the old stuff and have to put in you know stock music and the old stuff. Yeah. Um, which was probably a big problem with why a lot of it didn't get uploaded. Um, but um, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see what they do. They, the, the only thing about it I'm not excited about was Tony saying, oh, well, I'm going to book ROH too. I'm like, yeah. dude, you don't need to be doing that. You, you, you find, you know, you have, you have oh, Cody Rhodes. <clears throat> um, you know, I mean, I mean, Christopher Daniels wanted to book it before. Let him book it. I mean, that's, it's, yeah, it's, that'd be it's cool. fine. Um, and, and exactly how they use it. It will be a completely different company. Will it just be developmental? What, yeah. you know, how will they, how will they use it? That sort of thing. So, um, but no, if you watch that, that CM Punk interview, that's exactly kind of how I feel. I'm, I'm so glad for various reasons that Vince McMahon didn't get it. Cause I, I, I think though that, especially the early stuff is so important to modern pro wrestling that people don't yeah. even get it. I'm actually more curious about the other tape library that he got that we don't know about yet. I'm really curious about what that is. Um, but the but the ROH stuff, like like I said, like I was saying before when I was talking about like the Hall of Fame and stuff, I really do feel like there's a a a really bias against like the early 2000s indie scene, which I think mm-hmm. is super important, like more important than people even imagine, because I think that was where you really saw like especially men's wrestling kind of get modernized because it was still if, if you watched WWE even at the time it was still a lot of the like what you had seen for a long time and then right then you had the early american indies and then it was a combination of all this stuff and it just modernized if, if you you saw a, more of what you had been seeing in japan um and so yeah so i'm i'm just super excited that they have it i'm just i'm curious to see what they do with it if it's a streaming thing, I think it will be great. Um, and so, yeah, so we will see. But I'm super excited. I, I definitely like. I, I keep saying it, but you, people need to go see that punk interview where he talks about it because that's that's like dead on on so many so many levels. Especially the part where he talked about you know Vince owning his footage and him not getting any royalties or anything now from that footage because you know he was the only guy asking when the network was getting ready to get launched. Well, what's this going to do to the DVD royalties? You know, are we going to get royalties yeah. off this? 
and no one's getting royalties off of it. So, you know, um, so that all of that to me is absolutely fascinating. So, yeah. And do you think that they'll end up being on like an HBO max or do you think that they'll I, like take over honor me, club and make it like I, AEW I think, streaming? I think that I was shocked. We didn't get an announcement at the pay-per-view. Yeah. They had hinted that there was going to be another announcement unless the announcement was the DraftKings deal, which, you know, nobody asked anything about that really bugged me that no one asked anything about at the, at, after the pay-per-view of, Hey, you know, where did this come from and what is all right. it involve? <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, cause it was just kind of there all of a sudden. Also, um, nobody asked like, so what are you doing with Supercard of Honor and WrestleMania weekend? Like, how are you going to book that? Is that happening? Who's yeah, I mean, like, it's happening, AW but yeah, people? nobody asks like nothing. I'm like, I, what are we you'll doing? You'll get me on a rant that you don't yeah, No one asked about Cody <laughs> at the presser either, like just for what it's worth. No one brought up Cody to Tony Khan once. I mean, they might have been told not to for all we know, but like that's yeah, yeah. they may have been told that you know hey we're not going to answer any cody questions but i mean there was a lot <laughs> of stuff that people could ask that was not asked and i get right. that not everybody there is is going to ask you know because you've got the kids there they're asking which is fine by the way i have no problem with that but you have people there that know what to ask and it's not being asked and i'm just like really because the yeah. DraftKings thing was the first thing i was like that's kind of a big thing that they yeah. sponsored the pay-per-view and were all over the pay-per-view. And I would expect someone just to at least ask, Hey, how, you know, what's the deal with this? Is this a one-time thing? Is this going to get it? You know, that's the first big, you know, that's other than crackle barrel. That's the first big sponsorship they've really had. So, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, but no, um, what was your question again? I, About I the streaming service. Like, Oh, the streaming service. Yeah. I think, Max, it be Max. I think because, yeah, because they just got the the uh, U.S. Uh, soccer deal, so I think yeah. that they're going to want more sports. Um, and I think having a sh- live streaming wrestling show that gets, you know, whatever whatever NXT used to get, which was like what five hundred thousand views a week, I think they'd yeah. be fine with that. And and it, and it's a weekly show, not the normal HBO format of you know eight weeks and then you got to wait till next season. It's, it's, it's 52 weeks. So I think that it makes sense for it to happen. So what I would like to see too, is like more so not GCW, but like that type of indie roster and not necessarily like you're just darks, like the dark, dark elevation. Like what, what is going to make ring of honor different? You know, I want to see more of like really good matches and yes, it can be de- developmental, but I want it to be more like what NXT was to where like you have like your core stars and then when those guys are ready, you know, you call them up. Like if you had a ring of honor with like a Ninja Mac and an Effie and an AJ Gray and all that stuff, I'm not saying those have to be those people, but just you have that core group. And then when they're that over, then it's time to call them up to AEW. You know what I mean? But then I don't know what you do with Dark and Elevation and all that. Because the the thing with Dark and Elevation, a lot of that stuff is just like three-minute, five-minute matches and just like well, showcasing just, just content filler as all that right. is. That, that, that was, that's there purposely so that they can go, hey, we got all this content that you can have. Um, right. So, I mean, that's why it's there. But, 
yeah, I, I could see them definitely getting rid of one of those shows and then yeah. doing like, like you said, maybe maybe have the young, you know, the young AEW stars with top indie talent that aren't necessarily going to be for whatever reason. Like a PWG type, AEW right? Where you where you could have like a PWG type show where you could still right. bring in some Malachi Blacks here or there, Daniel Garcia, but you have like the top indie talent also on that show. Right. I, that's, that's there, are, there are like, you could use Ninja Mac, but you're not going to use Ninja Mac on on Dynamite or Randy. Right. So, right. but he's he'd be perfect there. Um, you could, I'm, I'm trying to think of like some other, there's like, um, Blackwood. Blackwood would be another guy. <clears throat> I, you know, I look at Blackwood. That's not a guy I would put on Dynamite or Rampage, but he's really good. You could put him in Ring of Honor, and it would be fine until he can get kind of refine his look a little better, um, or get better I think like, promos. So, I think like a Brian Keith would be really good in Ring of Honor, the yeah. new Ring of Honor. I think there's a lot of people like that 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 are out there. Um, right. But but I, I just don't know what his plans are, and is it going to be in Universal Studios? Like it just seems so weird to have like Ring of Honor like in that aspect. But the thing is, is Tony is such a fan, right? Like he knows he knows what Ring of Honor and Universal Studios sounds like, and I don't think that that's something that he will want to do. I can you see know? them doing the TV show at Universal, but yeah. then doing you know majors like doing one show a month. That's a major show outside or, yeah. uh, or, you know, or two shows a month outside of the studio. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Cause I, that part of it, like I said, I'm more glad that you don't have that whole thing in WWE, but you know. What, what you got any initial thoughts, Steven? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've talked about it quite a bit, but like, uh, something that just kind of sprung in my head when we were talking about like the ROH library and there's people like Ninja Mac and stuff. We've talked Danielson and Moxley. I think it'd be kind of cool just like throwing ideas out there that they can do with a lot of this stuff is we're getting like this pure wrestling stable with like Moxley and Danielson and all that. If they did some sort of like high flyer stable with like Ninja Mac and like Dante Leone and like those kind of dudes like in Ring of Honor, but they brought in Amazing Red as like the manager of like those guys. Like, I think that something like that would be really cool. Because, like, Red's another guy that, like, he's, he's, like, really got me into, like, indie wrestling in, like, the early 2000s. And he doesn't get talked about a lot. But you can use the ROH tape library for guys like him to, like, educate the AEW audience on, like, who these guys are. And then you can, like, see, like, you know, them in Ring of Honor and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot they can do with having, like, the access to all this, all this ROH content. So Also, just curious, like, like okay, do they own – Anything to do with like El Generico, or is that all Sami Zayn, or like like that's what all actually? Zayn. That's all, okay. Yeah. Anybody so like what that, actually like any the did gimmicks, they? Any yeah. of the gimmicks would be the guys themselves own. So okay, because you know like how in WWE they like take the character and it's like oh that's our own property and all that stuff. So I just didn't know. Um, so like when they bought stuff, they basically have bought. Like the the licensing, like the names and stuff, like Final they Battle. The na- they bought the name. Dishonor. They bought all the titles, um, the library. Apparently, it's the complete library. 
Um, so it includes the um, the uh, HDNet stuff. Um, oh, nice. And yeah, and everything else, like anything that is like ROH itself. So I'm just trying to think of like from a marketing standpoint, like if they want to put it in the video game and and like all that, like who they could use. So they basically wouldn't be only be able to use the AEW people that would agree or people that are no longer wrestling or whatever, like that they wanted to sign a deal to. Because I mean, you've got to think ROH is going to be in the video game. You got to think there's going to be ROH figures. Like it's it, well, it's definitely. If you got the video game, you do a career mode and you start off in ROH, right? With the, with the hope to get to you know, I mean, that, you, can you, can you can literally play like the CM story. Punk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could pick saying. like you could you, like you know whenever you're doing the alternate costumes, right. you know, like CM Punk from ROH with the long blonde hair or whatever. Like I just think that there's a lot of cool things that they could do. Adam Cole in the Kingdom and you know when Bucks and you know there's just a lot of stuff that they could do. If I'm Tony, man, I'm I'm really trying to get Bullet Club, Bullet Club from New Japan. I'm like, look, you guys are hurting. What do you want for it? Come on, you, we, we'll take it. That license, that name, everything. That license makes them a lot of money, though. No, I I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. But Tony's crazy enough to write them a yeah, big Yeah, I check. know. But I'm just so, saying that makes them, you know, especially right it's now. It's not Lij it. money right now, but it's close. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, I think that wraps it up. We went a pretty long time. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover, Stephen? No, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to Unkind Esports for sponsoring the show. Make sure to follow them on all social media at Unkind Esports. Make sure to check out their website, unkindesports.com. Um, big thank you to everyone over there. And, you know, Rob Van Dam's a part of the, the team over there. So there's a lot of wrestling fans, a lot of MMA fans. If you're into video games and Twitch and all that stuff, check it out, Unkind Esports. And uh, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. The next time I'll be on camera will be this Thursday. Myself and Jeremy Lambert on the Fightful YouTube channel. We'll be talking about a whole bunch of stuff in wrestling. I'll talk more about CM Punk and MJF over there, I'm sure, because that'll be a big topic. Um, and uh, we did an interview today with Jaden Newman, who just won the Southern, Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm Championship um, this past weekend. So we had an interview with him. So, uh, yeah, check all that stuff out and. uh Fightful Select Weekender podcast every Sunday. And thanks again uh, for joining us, Josh. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Like, for real, it's, it's it's awesome to have you on here with us again, man. You're welcome. And since you brought it up, if you if you had access to it, go and watch the Sonic City Rumble, because that was actually a Sonic really City, yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually a really good show um, with a lot of people that you probably might see later. And other places. So, but thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I appreciate it. It, it, it was fun. Um, for I'm sure. Up for talking wrestling for hours on end. So, especially right now, I mean, like just in general, like AEW has just brought such a shot in the arm to the fan base to to pro wrestling. I mean, it has exceeded all my expectations and more. And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, what happens if like things are this good for like 10 years. Like what kind of legacy could this company leave? You know what I mean? Uh, it's just a, it's really a blessing for a lot of wrestling fans because it was getting dark and there wasn't a lot of hope. And, 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 and Vince would have never let this thing happen if he knew what was coming. And it just, they just were able to kind of go under the radar and really form this thing. And now it's, 
it's not going anywhere and it's only getting better. And it's just, uh, it's just really exciting to, to, to be a part of as a, just as a fan. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. I, I, I would say also that one of the, like, one of the things I don't think gets talked about enough with, with AEW is the way they use their Latino talents. Um, yeah. Because that is a massive market that WWE's basically pretty much flicked off and said, you know, eh, we'll give you Ray. And that's about it. And that, right. that's all we know. And then you have this company that literally lets one of their main guys go out and cut promos in Spanish because he's better at cutting promos in Spanish than he is in English. Um, not that he can't speak English, but I'm sure he's much more comfortable cutting those promos in Spanish. Um, that's a big deal that I don't think gets enough talked about enough. The fact that it's like, hey, we're going to let them do their thing. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially with so like. There's so much talent right now in Mexico that's really, really great that I'm sure they would love to use. So. Yeah. Shout out to AEW. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. And uh, please hit that like button. Please subscribe. And we'll catch you guys next week.